Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the ever-dank this episode are... I'm Davey, and I used to get pretty annoyed when my kids wouldn't let me have mushrooms on pizza, but now I kind of get it. I'm Paul, and I'm going to open up an angry sweater shop. It's called Loom Spite Knits. <laughs> I'm Aaron, and in spite of Paul's sweet pun, I'm still kind of gloomy. Hmm, and this is Eric reusing a pun that was just done. <laughs> Gloom spite my best efforts. My reading time was eclipsed by my work. In this episode, we're discussing Gloom Spite by Andy Clark. Listener, stop for a moment and imagine the town you live in. Think of the places you know and the people that live there. Sure, it's got its problems, but all in all, it's a pretty nice place, right? Now imagine that same city under siege by a hidden force of malicious goblins intent on destroying everything you hold dear. Would those in charge be able to keep you safe? Would you survive? Instead, let us tell you about a city in the mortal realms that had to face just that. Honestly, better them than you. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? You're way better. <laughs> Good. In fact. Yeah. I mean, I know we're leaning into the whole uh, Twilight Zone uh, thing, but the fedora and the cigarette are a little bit much. There. <laughs> I had a thing before this. <laughs> Can't smoke anymore. Um, also, for the first time that uh, I think anyone's ever had to double up on a pun in our intros before, too. That's I know. Miles, so, yeah. You know how I get around that? You go first every time. <laughs> no puns. No puns. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say you're no pun. Yeah. So how are you guys doing? Really, really good. I mean, good. the laughter was good. I appreciated that at sure, the end of that. Of course. Uh, what you guys been up to, Paul? You've been working on a lot? Yep. Been doing a lot of terrain for Warcry. Yeah. So I finished up a mausoleum set. So I think I actually had one and a half. Uh, painted that up to be able to use with my terrain. And then I started work on some bridges. Well, you've been taking uh, your gibbering dome terrain from mm-hmm. Adepticon and from, uh, you know, from the events that you run, and you've been adapting that and getting that ready. So that's pretty awesome. It's been pretty cool seeing those pictures. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun to be able to have them useful for something again. <laughs> yeah, Davey, you've been up to some things. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Underworlds, obviously. That's weird. Yeah, you know, um, but it's been cool to be vicariously excited. Um, not even like I'm, I'm legit excited. I should say about <laughs> Warcry. Well, I mean, this people were so so excited about uh, about Warcry that I got uh, pretty pumped for it too. So it was fun to fun to check that out, play a little bit of that, and uh, um, take a look at that. Do I you have, some. Do you have your sights set on anything? Uh, I well, it was Corvus Cabal is number one runner, but yeah. I feel like there's so many people who are too creeped out by the unmade that I almost need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like. Uh, I feel like I could uh, put those on the table. I always have a soft spot for whatever warband no one else wants to do. Yeah, I've been doing that. Um, I, I managed to get down to the ATC for uh, Underworlds, and we uh, we did well down there, and that was cool. Um, well, so, <laughs> well, I, mean, <laughs> I, I would do a golf clap, but that's going to cause some spikes. Yeah, sure. um, but I've uh, been having a lot of fun there. And if you want to hear more about it, you can uh, check out the What the Hex podcast. Mm. So. The What the Hex podcast. Uh, what the Hex podcast. Um, the what the Hex podcast. <laughs> but and my uh, my primary engagement with the AOS so far has been uh, been enjoying the fiction. Um, mm. So digging through that and finding novellas and trying to catch myself up. At one point, I was totally current on all AOS fiction, and I'm 
would like to restore my status again. <laughs> well, it got real tricky. Like last oh, summer, man. they were coming out hot and heavy. Yeah. Fortunately, it's sort of, I mean, for better or worse, it sort of died down a little bit. Um, so it's offered opportunity to sort of catch up. I'm sure. also behind, but I'm doing my best. Oh, man, no, I'm talking and I can't stop. Well, uh, why don't you tell us more doing? about what you've been <laughs> doing? I can't help it. Um, honestly, it's just uh, more goblin stuff. Very coincidental to this book. I, d- I didn't realize that this was lining up the way it is, but I'm working through uh, the goblin half of, or the, the grot half of the Lunker set. Um, fortunately, it'll pull double duty uh, for Warcry, because I think that's between them and the Iron Jaws probably what I'll end up playing. Um, a lot of the new Warbrands are super cool, but like I already have too much plastic. I got to use the stuff I have already. Shut yeah. your mouth. I, I know. No such you're going to buy them anyway. So you know you're going to buy them anyway. I don't know that I will. In fact, I, I did buy the st- starter set, and I'm probably going to try and offload <laughs> some of it to at least some to this gentleman over here. Um, uh, but you're right. Honestly, every time I sell off a model, no joke, 100% of the time, I proceed to go back and buy it separately later. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It doesn't happen often, but it, it has happened every time I've sold it. So <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but it happens every time. But it happens every time. Ninety percent of the time, it, it happens every time. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm working on. Also trying to get through, like interspersed with the grots. I'm trying to get catch up with all the underworlds war bands. I want to get those all put together, especially with season three coming through. I don't know that I'll be able to have all the other ones put together, but I'd like to have as big a chunk as possible. So almost done with profiteers. I'll probably move to chosen axes next. And that's me. In a nutshell, hey Eric, tell me about your life. All right, I mean, you guys have been keeping it pretty low key, but I'm hella excited for Warcry. Uh, everybody's been pretty pumped about it, but I'd say I've, I've uh, intentionally been a primary instigator. When I see somebody get a little bit like not excited for it, I shape them up. <laughs> uh, but it's been a little contagious. Uh, obviously, uh, we've been big fans of skirmish play. Uh, in the past, doing yep. some campaigns and stuff, and you know when skirmish came out, um, not been as excited for th- that rule set. Looking for campaign stuff around it, and the the Warcry tone, the new models, uh, the terrain, um, everything's just hitting the cylinders, the the buttons for us. So we've been getting excited, and part of that, uh, I guess, an announcement for this show is that over the next couple of months, we're going to be putting out uh, three episodes of a new podcast um, st- on the topic of Warcry, and we're going to fit it in the stream, see how people like it, etc. And then uh, if they do, we might keep that going and keep that running. So we're going to do three episodes. It's going to be kind of like kind of starter. It's going to be how the game plays. It's going to be lore um, and, uh, you know, kind of the way we do it. Um, and then getting into some of our initial kind of campaign or new, new stuff. And that'll be supplemental to our uh, already existing yep. content. So yep. we'll not take the place of this uh, blessed story phase that everybody loves. Yeah, I was hoping I could take a break, though. <laughs> I mean, you, you can get out of here right now. If, if you're already barely working, is it to take a break? Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you don't mock anything, because we is. need to get out later. Uh, right? Like. But uh, So, uh, just to let you know that that's coming, um, and we're just going to be trying to do a bunch of different things to, to kind of get excited for it and, and play some of it and get a campaign going locally, share that, hype people up. Um, and it's been fun being on Twitter with all that hype and been fun seeing the game come together with Sam Pearson as one of the the leads behind yeah, it with Travis boy. Johnson. And, yeah. um, Sam Pearson did Hinterlands a long time ago, which got us hooked on Skirmish Age of Sigmar. So I'm um, excited to see 
and play along with that in the in the spirit. I found my copy of the Hinterlands, digging through some stuff, cleaning out the hobby space. And I and just looked at it. I was like, we come a long way, boy. We come a long way. But yeah, so you can, uh, we're very excited about Warcry. You can look forward to us trying to put our best narrative foot forward in trying to share that excitement and that experience with you, the listener. Dear, dear listener. Dear, dear listener. So that's, that's me. And that's, I think that's everyone. So how about we hop into the story phase? In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. In the dark corners of the mortal realms, the mysterious gloomspite gits go to war, following the trail of their abominable deity. Nowhere is beyond the sight of the bad moon, not even those places under Sigmar's protection, like the city of Draconium, sweltering beneath the scalding rain of Akshi. In this boiling pot of tension, the regent prays to Sigmar for guidance, while Captain Helena Morthan puts out fires, blades drawn in the streets, heretical doomsayers preaching the end of days, and insects eating watchmen alive. When the grieving warrior Hendrik and his warband arrive at the gates with a prophetic warning, Captain Morthan sees a way to save her people. But with Skagrat the Loon King plotting underneath Draconium, and the bad moon looming in the sky above, will there be a city left to save? I feel like these are getting longer and longer every time we do these episodes. Hmm. I mean, it's not that I don't like listening to you read them, but like you just read the whole book right there. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, pretty soon... And Eric I mean, only got 25% of the way through that. <laughs> <laughs> um, zing. All right, let's, let's start it at the beginning like we always Wait do. Wait a minute, goblins are in this? <laughs> no, crots. Crots. Right. You didn't even make Eric's it that far? <laughs> Which, actually, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but that's a point of contention. <laughs> Poignant. Sure. Yeah. Poignant. Um, all right, so we're going to start like we always do when we do our Black Library book uh, reviews with the spoiler-free section. We're talking about the facts, just the facts, and only the facts, so you don't have to worry about getting spoiled because that's the worst um you still have a fax machine in here uh no but i thought anyways uh so let's start with the when and maybe the where but uh the when so what are we what are we dealing with i wish we had more like major events or at least the books tied into the more major events because i feel like the last like 12 that we've done have always been like well it's after the cities have been founded uh just just the general time frame like i wish there was more points that we could like reference before or after sure um, so I'm wondering, it's definitely after like the cities of the mortal realms have been founded, so we're going to know that range. Well uh, established. Yeah, after the, the Realm Gate Wars, because we're dealing with a city, almost predominantly a city here. I wonder if we're also dealing uh, with a time frame after the Necroquake, perhaps. It doesn't explicitly say one way or the other, but if we harken back to our Gloomspite book, uh, Battle Tome, that is, didn't we, didn't we read that like the, the bad mood was more active after the Necroquake? It sort of spurred it into more action? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case... Spoiler alert, the Bad Moon factors into this book a little bit, and so because of that, I'm wondering if we're, if we're at post-Necroquake. What do you guys think? I think that uh, this is where we can start to develop the timeline based on the battle tomes. As the storyline moves forward with each battle tome, we can say that this storyline has to be after the time of the battle tome with the Bad Moon, with the characters, because it is by necessity based in that era. Mm-hmm. So... As opposed to necessarily being able to do a specific timeline, we might be able to actually earmark where this is based on the release of the battle tome. Okay, cool. So use the meta. Sure. So yeah, I, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm comfortable saying it's post-Necroquake and the Bad Moon's real angry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And also or bad. Very bad. Bad. <laughs> bad moon. Bad to the bone. Stop being so bad. Um, is there a Bad Moon rising? Um, absolutely. Don't sing it. Don't you sing it. Um, 
it, it's also interesting that there was a point in time where like whenever a battle tome came out or like a new army release came out like hot on the heels uh they were doing novels that like sort of tied into that mm-hmm. um like there was a ko novel sure uh, there's that uh, legends of what of sigmar with with uh, the sylvaneth so that was kind of a trend and it sort of stopped for a while so it's interesting to sort of see this gloom book still you know months after the the battle tome came out but mm-hmm. it, it kind of re- returned to form a little bit to have that focus of the uh, grats after the battle tome came out too so i wonder if we'll start to see uh that trend return a little bit I would argue that that actually has a very natural progression, because Andy Clark is the one who wrote the background for the Battle Tome. Did he? Yes. Mm. And he's the one who wrote Gloomspite. So I would imagine writing in the background of the Battle Tome is what spurred him to the idea for the novel. Sure. Spurred him? <laughs> he probably just was writing that Battle Tome and just couldn't stop. He just kept, like, the, the pen just kept writing and he had to fill it out. Um, awesome. So that's the when. Let's talk about the where. Where are we, gentlemen? Draconium. Draconium's a town. It's in the realm of Akshi, uh, and it's specifically somewhere uh, north of Hammerhall, Aksha, right? Correct. Yep, Correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, so something like 200 and blah, blah, blah miles north of Hammerhall, Aksha. Yeah. Um, uh, it, what's, what's some interesting uh, factoids about this city is that it's actually in the shadow of a, like a volcanic mountain range. Um, so, I mean, of course it is, right? You think every city probably in the, the realm of fire is probably within the shadows of a, a volcanic mountain range. So, but uh, a feature or a bug of living so close to this mountain range is that there's always this acid rain getting, like falling down inside. Paul even mentioned in that little blurb that he read. Um, so that lends a little bit of character to the city that we're dealing with. Is it's uh, a volcanic town and also always dealing with like acid rain. So like the 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 structure and the architecture of this place sort of has to take that into account and yeah. they have to sort of survive under that yeah. environmental factor. We're not talking about like acid rain that you get from too much. Uh, co you know mm-hmm. emissions we're talking about acid rain that if you spend all night uncovered in the rain you will be scarred in the morning yeah and some people are right so like yeah. it, it colors the the population a little bit yeah. too um, <laughs> that's, but why would you laugh that's messed up because man. it oh, colors man. the people because it wounds them so it changes the color of their skin yeah those people are hurting yeah. like wow. they need medical attention <laughs> these people aren't real where is, where is your hey, empathy hey. paul <laughs> sure. but we can also take that this is a basically a little bit of a frontier area it's an area that we haven't explored before um, yeah, they like refer to it as like a shield city or something, mm-hmm. which is to say, I think it, it probably serves as like, you know, one of the farthest reaches of like, civ- quote unquote, civilization sure. um, of, of this area. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that like a canal runs between Draconium and, man, that's a long canal, uh, to Hammer Hall. Like, so they have like a connection. They are sort of not interdependent because I'm sure Hammer Hall, Hammer Hall doesn't think of Draconium, but like uh, they are uh, related in that, in that regard. Uh, any other wares you guys want to talk about um yeah i mean i think there is not a storm uh hold here and they make a point of kind of talking that it's far enough away from hammer hall that it doesn't have the luxury of 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 all of you know the storm hosts etc um but it does seem to be some place of import Mm. that that this the what's his name the guy is in charge uh the Uh, regent militum so i mean he's seems to have done something of import and sure no has this pretty pretty audacious place yeah i I agree and uh like i think it's noteworthy that they don't have any sort of storm storm cast presence um but at the same time it is a city like a a town probably doesn't do it justice i think it is a fully fledged um urban area so uh yeah it's big enough that that people not everybody the population doesn't know everybody mm -hmm. um there's enough you know nooks and crannies and 
kind of you can't be everywhere at once or know what everything that's going on. They have a city watch and they have a military presence. Probably good it does them. Yeah. What? Uh, all right, so let's talk about the who. Who are our major players here? So uh, this book is fun in that there is a variety of point of view characters. I, what was the last one we read? We read um, Scourge of Fate, which was a singular, well, almost a singular uh, perspective. And so, but it's nice to have that refreshing take to get a bunch of different people's perspectives. Um, so we are offered with a wide range of uh, point of views. But the, the main point of view characters that we're, I think we're probably most interested uh, in are uh, one, Hendrik Saul, which I think Paul mentioned in his little blurb, and that dude basically leads a mercenary group. Um, and this little factoid of this book is probably my favorite part in that um, I loved the wide range of characters that were sort of under his employ. Sure. So he's a human uh, mercenary. Swords of Sigmar. Swings a big hammer. Uh, so he's pretty cool in his own right, but he, he has collected, not to get too much away, a collected a range of you know uh, folks under his employ for the Swords of Sigmar. Um, well, and what we find out immediately is that he's not the leader before this book starts. Sure, correct. He's sort of um, thrust the, into a leadership The circumstances position. Yeah. put him in this position. He's a reluctant and maybe not a great, not good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the, that likable or person that you would expect. I liked him. <laughs> I mean... We're, we're cool. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, and just to rattle off the types of folks that he's like, he's working with, he's, he's got a, a Karadran overlord. He's got a, a way watcher. Um, there's a, a you like that. A, I sure did. Uh, an engineer from Iron the, Weld. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's like a death sorcerer mm-hmm. and then, and then there's this like scout native of like Akshi. Which, Old Shen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who has no like sort of, you know, equivalent, uh, in the range. Um, a, so a priestess of Sigmar? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A, a warrior priest as well. Romela. Um, yep, exactly. So these are all like cool, like it's a fun way to sort of bring in these disparate, um, you know, all order, but for the most part, like different uh, walks of life uh, characters and just sort of get their perspectives on. Uh, the plot um, is one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts. And we do get their perspectives going through. We, every once in a while, we'll get their, their point of view. Uh, additionally, there's uh, that Helena Morthan, which Paul also mentioned. And so she's the, she's the captain of the city watch um, and any good city has got to have that city watch. And so, uh, she's tasked with protecting the city, and then, of course, as you might expect, as things start to go south, um, she, she's going to be the one that you go to to yeah. help uh, solve solve the problems. She's specifically the interior of the city, and there's the militia militant mm-hmm. who are uh, responsible for the outer defenses. So yep. you think of her as like the law enforcement sure, kind of. Yeah. Well, and this book sort of takes that. Um, at least for part of it, like that detective story tone, right? Where yeah. she's like, oh, yeah. she's on the case. There's a mystery to be solved, and so yeah. there is that sense, at least for part, again for part of the book, um, that you're sort of drawn in and you're sort of investigating the mystery alongside her. So. I remember quite vividly that, like, she's worked her way up. I feel like I read it just recently. <laughs> 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 that she started off kind of on the beat, uh, you know, and kind of gained that trust, gained the notoriety, and beca- has become captain out of earning it, kind sure. of thing. Um, and she definitely has a, a care for the city. Like sure. it, this is something she is devoted to. So it's not like one of those. Uh, this, this is what this was her last day um, on, the, on the force. I'm no, she wasn't about to retire. Retire now. Uh, and also, too old for this. Also, at no point does anyone <laughs> ask her for her badge and her and her gun either. Yeah. You're you're too wild. You're out of control. I mean, uh, uh, none of that. None of that. All right. Um, so those are, we got through that pretty quick. Those are the facts. Are there any other uh, factoids or any what's that you guys want to talk about? One of the things that Andy Clark mentioned specifically about this book is he calls it a survival horror novel. Mm-hmm. 
So this is a new type of story for AOS, right? So this starts to portion in where this novel is not just a, a novel by Andy Clark, but it's kind of a new addition to the AOS Black Library range, in my opinion. And there are a couple of things that are important to know to read this book. One of them is that it is a survival horror story, so it is not a normal fantasy novel. So it's going to be a little bit different from any other AOS Black Library novel that you've read. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, and the second thing is that although the novel is titled Gloom Spite, Grots don't necessarily feature heavily in this novel. So if you're looking for a Gloom Spite-centric novel, and that's your main reason for reading it, this may not be the book for you. And to be fair, like I feel like this is a consistent thing with Black Library, where like uh, Clan Pestilence that, that mm -hmm. came out, and I would say 70% of the point of view of that book was coming from order mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it's not... That did not surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, um, I thought it was possible that we might have a novel that was entirely from the perspective of a grot or something like that. But mm -hmm. it did surprise me, and I, I can't say why it surprised me. One of my thoughts was, I think that's from the old world. The Skarsnik novel yep. was so widely like well re received and regarded yep. that like people were clamoring for like a, a grot perspective. For for whatever reason, I thought that was, this was going to be another one of those. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's no no real reason why I got that in my head. But um, so because of that, I I think I was also surprised. Maybe in the same vein that Paul was that I thought this probably was going to be a, a, a grot perspective book. Uh, I wasn't necessarily disappointed that it wasn't, but um, that that was subverted my expectations. I think. Well, and the reason that that's a connection in my mind is that Skarsnik was also a survival horror novel, mm -hmm. to my understanding. So this is not new. It's not new to Black Library, but it is new to AOS, because that was an old world novel. All right. So uh, that would be the differentiation that I would make. Sure. Maybe we read Skarsnik next. Um, oh, and I love Skarsnik. It's one of my favorite books. Oh, oh mm, interesting. Don't, We're gonna don't return write checks. To that. You can't cash money. <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> So, and then, and furthermore, I'd maybe stress that, like, although the captain like uh, features heavily in the book, I think really where we spend a lot of our time, spend a lot of our time, is actually with the swords of of Sigmar. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's very much this this I don't say adventuring party, this mercenary party. Um, it, it's a lot of their book, I would say, which mm -hmm. I don't think that gives away too much. No, well, I, I feel like if you liked um, City of Secret and um, Spear of Shadows, Spear of Shadows, where you've got that ragtag bunch. Like this is right in line with that, and yeah. it it does give you the opportunity to get to know these different characters from these different uh, unit, you know, different units that you play on the table or that you read in the battle tomes, but get down to a, a human level, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's these units that like maybe don't feature too heavily in like battle. Well, I guess we're getting cities of Sigmar now, but like up to this point haven't really featured too heavily in different yeah. battle tomes and so like maybe is these books are the only opportunity to get a sense of what a way watcher is like in these books or what a warrior priest is like in in the world yep. um, well and I, th I think with that announcement of cities of, of sigmar coming out this is very much a representation of that operation and how cities would work or how and you know just how people are dealing with being in the realms being mortal uh, being a, a, a melting pot of different cultures and, and stuff trying to adapt. Sure. So I think it's... it's. I, I know the feeling, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. 
You always got to adapt with you people. Anyways, um, <laughs> so those are the facts. Any other facts? All right, awesome. Um, before we get into the spoiler-filled section, let's, let's give a real quick uh, recommendation or not recommendation. What did you guys think of the book? Uh, I'm going to lead with Paul because he just gave me the biggest smile in the world. I will be honest, this is not my genre. This is not my type of book. Not your gloom spite. So that throws me a little bit. And here's why. Because uh, I assume that, because I, I knew you were not hot on it, uh, and I was like, oh, survival horror, that makes sense. But you liked Scarsnick, which is yep. apparently also survival horror. Yep. So that that feels incongruous to me. Quit that's fair. And we can definitely talk about yourself, why I don't yourself, feel Paul. that that's incongruous. As we're discussing the plot going forward. All right. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, to me, I, I had a hard time with this book. Mm. Um, if you are looking for a Grot story, I thoroughly enjoyed Boss Grot, which is a short story from Black Library. And I would highly suggest um, checking that out. Mm. If you like Andy Clark novels, this is very much an Andy Clark novel, and you will love this book. Uh, it's just not my personal style, not my personal favorite. Let's put it that way. Cool, cool. I did like most of the other Andy Clark stuff that I bought. Or not most. I liked all the other Andy Clark stories that I read. I just did not so particularly you're, you're enjoy the exception one. to your own rule. I am the exception <laughs> to my own rule. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. You know what? I, let's put that on Paul's tombstone. <laughs> He's the exception that proves the rule. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so, you can't put me in a box. <laughs> that should be on the tombstone. Oh, God. Uh, He's always thinking outside the box. Anyways, I'll cut that. Um, all right, Davey, uh, in, in stark contrast, tell me what you thought. Uh, enjoyed it greatly. Um, <clears throat> I felt like maybe it took me a while to ease ease into it. Like it, it felt it felt uh, like it took a lot of warm-up, too. But of, uh, I won't necessarily say this is my favorite Black Library novel so far. It was up there. It's, oh, wow. it's it's in the conversation and, and I say that because it was the most page turning mm. uh for me. Once I once I got into the latter half, uh I was I it was the most like uh that I wanted to come back and find out what happened next. Sure. Um in, in quite a while, in recent memory. Um I, I could not think of an example off the top of my head that was uh more more of a page turner than this one for me. So Cool, cool, cool. Uh Eric of what you read. Um so what I liked about what I read is that one of the things that Games Workshop does really well is gives you little snippets of things and gives you peeks into things. doesn't give you everything, um, but gives you like a lot of flavor in a small bite. And in this book, like in this first 25%, <laughs> we're in, in three different locations with a dozen people, um, you know, with a bunch of different little experiences and each one of them so flavorful. So you know, from the initial kind of events that kind of introduce us to these characters is a, is to me was riveting. And then getting to this, the, the little scene of, of like, wait a minute, is this the bad guy here? Um, uh, and then getting redirected to what it's like going into the, the, you know, the opulence of the, the, um, you know, the ruler's place, you know, just, all these little places just gave you so much flavor. So I'm excited to hear how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, will, we will be here to, to tell you, to, to reveal that to you. Um, and if you do a bad job, I'll read it myself. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If only. What if we... If only. Oh, my God. It, it would make my day. No, uh, what if we just, like, gave you the wrong... Just, just <laughs> the wrong direction entirely. Yeah. Um, how did I, what did I think about the book? I think Paul hit the nail on the head in that, like, this is not 
uh, a typical Black Library AOS book. This is very different. And because of that, if that um, if that were the only thing about it, then I would say that it's worth reading just to get a different perspective or sure, a different yeah. type of novel. And um, I would say that maybe that's a little where I'm coming from. Like, I'm a sucker for anyone who can subvert expectations. Yeah, so uh, I think that probably warned uh, me to it. Yep, definitely definitely unique. We're not dealing with major armies, you know, facing off across the battlefield, which honestly, in AOS, we're, we're getting less and less of that, too. And we're getting a lot of human stories, and this is yet another one. But this sort of, sort of survival aspect of it, um, is, is new to me, and uh, I liked the breath of fresh air. Now, if I read the ne- if there was another one, like another book in the same vein, maybe I would I wouldn't like the continuation of it. But this was a good, uh, I was gonna say palate cleanser, but that'd be a weird palate that you'd have to cleanse. Call, call it dirtier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so because of that, I liked it. Uh, Davy's right. I was on the edge of my seat quite a bit, but I feel like that's also the nature of this sort of survival horror. Um, it was a real page turner, and um, there was always something happening. Uh, it was really it was. Mm. the first half maybe started off a little slow but once it got going it was going and like, yeah. there was always something new sure. and they were always in a new place and there was always action going on so I think maybe it's worth the wait um, if you can get through the beginning parts but even to Eric's I mean, point like, it, it still was interesting yeah. like in the first half yeah I mean my, my block was literally time um, not interest I was you know I was reading this every chance I got in between phone calls or if I was waiting for a website to load, I was flipping this open to see what was going on next. And like I said, you, even in this amount of time, like I have a really good feel for like what's happening in a small village in a, you know, an outpost town. Um, There's just a lot of that, you know, I know what these guys call like a cycle of the sun, you know, prove it. I will later. <laughs> okay, cool. Spoilers, we can't tell <laughs> I can't you. Can't tell you. Um, Listen more sure. to find out. Um, but in the same vein, I, I did. I was sort of expecting it to be uh, from like a, a grop perspective, and I guess if that's what you think going into it, you're you're going to be disappointed because that's not necessarily what you get. Um, and uh, because of that, maybe I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a grop perspective. I mean, we see plenty of books where you sort of they play both sides. Um, that's not really what we see here. Um, but I won't. I won't hold that against it. I still liked it. Um, so cool. Good book. All right. Let's move on. Move it on up to, to the, the east side. Well, no, my friend. To the the spoiler phase. Oh. Hey everybody. This is Aaron, uh, and I'm joined here with your favorite members of the Mortal Realms, which is to say, everybody besides me. Hi. Um, oh, yeah. hello. And we. Uh, we kind of have an announcement uh, in this episode that we wanted to talk to you a little uh, about um, some news. Uh, we're starting a Patreon because uh, we felt weird for not having one, right? Like in this day and age, everybody's got one. Yeah, that's uh, what we started a podcast because everyone else did. Now we're going to do the Patreon because everyone else did. <laughs> that's not true. Everybody else started a podcast because you guys started the podcast. We didn't start the podcast. It was oh. always burning since the world's been turned. As long as you don't sing it, it's fine. No dollar. Oh, come um, on. Yep. So uh, we are starting a, a, a Patreon. You can find us at uh, patreon.com slash realms or themortalrealms.com slash Patreon. Hi, get behind our slash yeah, get, Patreon. Get out of here. Uh, it's perfectly balanced as all things should be. Uh, so uh, pattern. Give, it, give, it, give it a shot. And we got just a couple levels. Honestly, we're trying to make this as simple and streamlined as possible. So there's like a like a one buck level, which is just your, your, your tip jar equivalent. Like if you like what we're doing, which why? Get better taste. Uh, uh, <laughs> you deserve to lose a dollar yeah, exactly, if you like right? what we're doing. We should take it from you. Um, drop us that book just to let us know um honestly it's just a a, a nice way to let us know that um you appreciate us and because if, we do it for validation 
a special shout out to the uh, member of Clan Eshin who got a gnaw hole and figured out that we had a Patreon already <laughs> and has already been donating. Oh, sure. <laughs> yep, that's, uh, that's, that's Philip. Throw out a shout out to Philip for being the first uh, of our patrons who found it, even though we did not announce it. Um, so that means he had to be looking for it. He must yeah. have listened to the show and thought, man, I want to give these dudes money. So we're technically only doing what people want us to do. Yeah. So right like, now it's all what Philip wants. Uh, it's Patreon's for you, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see, but I'm giving you the fist, fist yeah. bump. Yep. Man. I can you, hear it, he, he contributed before we even knew that was possible. Yep. We thought we would just open an account. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we didn't know it was even... And active, actually, so. we got the one, we're validated, that concludes our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you should be in charge of this whole thing. He's <laughs> smarter than we are. Come on. Uh, so should we get him on the horn? Like, is he is he now a member of the horn? <laughs> I don't know. There weren't rules written when this, he uh, joined, so he gets I'm, to write them, I guess. Um, so there's that uh, the one buck level, and then there's also the, the I don't know the five dollar level, which seems excessive, but uh, what, <laughs> what that, it's like uh, we don't owe you nothing. Yeah, exactly. But that, that gets you uh, <laughs> access to a super secret channel on our Discord. Let me remind you, we do have a Discord that is open to all, to, to any and all comers are welcome in our Discord. But if you want to join the super secret, what do I call it, free guild, free guild uh, channel? Um, if you if you join that level, you can get access. And I think what what we'll do there is ironically maybe, not free. <laughs> but uh, that, that Discord you can find at themortalrealms.com slash Discord. But uh, in this new channel, get behind our slash. Yeah, absolutely, at this new in this new channel, um, just uh, we'll we'll be reaching out to you folks and get a maybe a more closer uh, relationship to find out what what you like about the show, and maybe we'll reach out to get your advice or your take on you know what we should be doing in the future um any money that you donate generally is probably just for the most part going to be hosting like we have a couple like streams now and we're hosting a website and so this is starting to sort of add up um and our hopes is maybe we might expand to different uh streams or other uh types of content and those will have costs associated with them as well so the idea being that we would hope to try to defray some of that hosting so uh, very much it would be appreciated on our end and uh, it'll help us do uh, more content that you may or may not like you better like it so help me. Yeah. yeah. And we're not necessarily going to do any more streams. You can't hold us to it. Well, yeah. sure. No, no, this is just our thoughts. we got to cover our first streams first. Well, and no guarantees on actually listening to your feedback. We didn't even know we had a Patreon <laughs> yeah. forever. So, I mean, <laughs> let's just uh, make sure you don't meet expectations. I'll tell you yet. what, uh, in closing, maybe it's for the best that you donate. Don't yeah. donate. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Uh, so, with that, um, let's get back to the episode. Bye. Well, guys, this, in the spoiler phase, we're going to talk about the spoilers in this book, basically beginning to end, and not end to beginning, because that'd be backwards. All right, um, let's start at the beginning. This is yet another book that starts with a prologue. Eric's raising his hand. He wants to talk about something. Oh, I want to preface before we start talking about the actual plot. I'm sorry, my phone was in front of you, and I couldn't see your double hands no being worries. raised. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to preface my review of this book with, number one, my expectations were super high. Mm. for a sequel version of Scarsnick. Yeah, I figured that was what's going on. You um, you had a very firm a, set of what you wanted I had a, when it wasn't yep, what you wanted. I had a very firm set of exactly what I wanted out of this book, and this was not that book. That's not any fault of Andy Clark. That's just my expectations were not in the right place. Um, we, we always expect it to be your fault, Paul. <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, he owns it. Yeah. So, so Andy Clark, you're off the hook this time. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I had a hard time with the book from that perspective alone. And Skarsnik is legitimately one of my favorite books. I probably read it four or five times and not even just like Warhammer books. It's just legitimately one of my favorite books. And so 
that was always going to be a hard act to follow. Mm-hmm. And with the title being Gloomspite, and with Grotz not featuring heavily, my disappointment was self-appointed. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Now that we've like that I've established that that's where I'm coming from with this book, let's start with the prologue. Andy Clark should have wrote Skarsnik too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Alright, so uh, this book starts with a prologue, which is sort of as you guys may know, a prologue is sort of a pre pre chapter. Um, which is odd. I don't know why it needed to be a pre prologue. Why couldn't it have just been chapter one? Because what we're doing is we're dealing with the characters that we're gonna follow for the rest of the book. Um, but they are uh, in a village, a small town, I don't know, somewhere in, in the realm of Akshi, and we're in the thick of it. We're we're mm-hmm. getting hot and heavy because uh, the villagers are being I don't know attacked by yeah. uh, a monster, a crowned monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we find out throughout this prologue that it turns out that this monster actually once, at one point, was the leader of the Swords of Sigmar. The leader that, of the pack? Yeah, leader of the pack. That uh, that group, that, that mercenary group that we were talking about. Um, I don't know what that means. The Swords of Sigmar. Leader of the pack? No, no. It's a song. Oh, it's thing. Revenant you, Throttle. Oh, it's Revenant in Throttle. the song. Sure. Like, you're like, Aaron, turn it down. <laughs> With your whole fist. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so apparently, and we find out here or later that Varlin saw, yeah, so he was the leader. Um, apparently, at one point, they're on a mission. They dug, like, they, they breached a, a dread hold. They found a crown. A dread hold, no less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that speaks to the efficacy of these these folks, um, this this mercenary group. Um, they found a crown, and what do you do when you find a crown in a dread hold? Obviously, you put, it on, it. You, you put it on your dumb head. Yeah. Dumb head. Uh, it's the sort of crown that doesn't come off. The worst yeah. kind of crown. Yeah. Or the best kind of crown. Um, and lo and behold, it's like a weird mushroom crown. Like we see like, you know, all, it's sort of throughout the... Um, no, it's like Skagrox crown, isn't it? Like it, it's got like mushrooms and stuff on it or like grows into his skull. It does. I, I think this part's going to be... It fuses to his head. I sure. think this part's going to be cut out because it's uh, it, it's from a dread hold. I think it was supposed to be a chaos artifact. Yeah. Oh, is that it? I thought, yep. it, I thought it was like a... Well, and that's why I think this part is supposed to be a prologue because it's yeah. about chaos. And then we move into the actual survival horror okay, part. Okay, I'll own up to it. Maybe sure. I'm wrong. I think uh, you're wrong. I don't remember them specifically mentioned mushrooms. Sure. But there's some implication that like he's getting insight from this crown, and he, you know, at first I don't think they realize that he can't take it off. I think he's just they think he's just choosing not to take it off. It's a sweet ass crown. Yeah. Sweet butt crown. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he- <laughs> You love those sweet butt crowds. He mutates. He turns into a, a monster. He's uh, and it, it was kind of gradual. I don't think it was an immediate uh, thing because they went from the dreadhold. He started kind sure. of speaking right, right. a it, bit it, and yeah. telling about things. And then when they got to the city, that suddenly it, it, chaos spawned out hardcore. Yep. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking he was a weird mushroom creature. I didn't realize no, he was a chaos spawn creature. Chaos uh, okay. So and and he just he starts murdering uh, and killing and so. The townspeople are, you know, got spear. I've read this recently, guys. Uh, (laughs) Every episode starts up this way. The townspeople are are trying to hold this thing back and try and eliminate it, and they end up, um, you know, burning him with fire and, and, you know, killing him with stuff. Well, I mean, what's worse is he sets the the townspeople, like, convince his his mercenary group to also aid in the fight against him. Yeah, the tension at the beginning of the book is that Hendrik is, like, still trying to save him. Sure. Right? And that and that is a that is a big uh, barrier to get across is uh, having Andy Clark convince you that this character is looking at this chaos bond and being like, oh man, like maybe this is salvageable, whatever. Like that, I I felt like that was, uh, I that was a that was a tough obstacle to get over. But yeah. what do you think he did? 
I think he did as well as he could possibly do mm-hmm. in that, you know, like that, because this thing looks horrific, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, one eye is on a stalk and the other one is like multifaceted. I don't know. Like, like a mushroom stalk, though? Not, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and, and in that those last moments, uh, Varlin is trying to communicate things. He's repeating sure. things and mm-hmm. Hendrick is kind of listening to it and he's, you know, speaking words that seem extra you know, it's, it's not about what's happening right now. It's about some warnings, some portents, and he doesn't know what to do. Blind portents? Uh, perhaps. Um, and and they different, up, different type of portent, actually. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. And so they end up helping, the, the swords end up helping kill Varlin yeah. uh, mm-hmm. reluctantly, but they decide to save this village instead of their, their comrade. Sure. Uh, and then they are able to stay the townspeople kind of let them stay the night yeah recover. you got the rest of the night and then we're kicking you out because you brought this guy in here and he mm-hmm. killed a bunch of yeah. us and that's yeah. uncool <laughs> no thank you so there's yeah there's a ton of that kind of like hey you were we were happy to have you here now mm-hmm. we're not happy to have you here so just that interesting politics of being a traveler in a in a city in the in the realms and we have the introduction of the characters of the main party here if i'm not mistaken right mm-hmm. yeah and some of them are not i mean you just have a little bit but yeah, yeah. sure but uh the the first thing is they introduced the priestess of sigmar romilla aiden and this is a new i don't know a new character for a west black library that we have a priestess i don't believe we've had one before uh spear shadows what's her name but she was a sister of sigmar i don't know if she was a priestess i think she's a warrior priest she's swinging a hammer yeah okay but fair so we have a priestess of sigmar um shaved head scarred up yep so she's definitely war torn Mm -hmm. um and then we also have this actually native yeah, old Shiv. David said it before. Who he has all these scars and uh, tattoos. Tattoos. Um, that that function as, almost as a fire slayer a bit to give kind of a just a, a, an idea. They glow when he uses them. Um, and then we have this death sorcerer, Bartaman Kotrin, who is the magic user of the group, as it were. Uh, and then we also have a Caradron overlord, Boric J- Jorgensen. Jorgensen. Uh, who is this mercenary, right? It's it's brought out that even in this mercenary group, this uh, Caradron is a mercenary within the group itself. Yeah, it kind of serves as like a bodyguard for the... The, the brothers. brothers. For Varlin. Yeah, yep. Yep. So Varlin and Hendrick are brothers. I don't know if we specifically mentioned <laughs> you know, that. I was thinking, I don't know if we said it. Yeah, that's but, why he yeah, cared I, that much. That's why yeah, he cared so yeah. much. So Varlin and Hendrick are brothers. Um, Varlin is the leader at the beginning of the book. Well, keep, uh, keep going the on the list. You're, you're doing so well. And then we also have the Waywatcher. Yeah. Uh, Aelin, um, oh gosh, um, <laughs> Malethril. <laughs> also, I can do this all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Davey and, and I are just sitting over here chill watching <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> and then we have a female Ironweld engineer. Sure. Uh, Eleonora Van Guest, So who is legit. The prologue not only tells us where the motivation is coming for this group, but it also gives us a very small introduction to who the members of this party are Mm -hmm. it very much feels like to me an opening adventure for like aos rpg where you have to come up with something to make all the characters come together and this is the entry level adventure right you know what like yeah, that's actually. I mean, like, what a great intro Except adventure! For they like, just kill your, smashed into a dread hole. No, I was gonna say, kill, <laughs> kill your old boss, kind of thing. Well, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a I would, thing. I would actually say. I mean, to that point, I would say. I mean, to use. A, I think these guys are like level fifteen. 
Like they've been, they, yeah, <laughs> they're not level one they, characters. They're not sure. They haven't forced these people together. They, they, they certainly at the beginning tell you that these disparate people are together, and they don't, they don't give you much explanation in mm-hmm. the prologue. Mm-hmm. As we get into closer to the city, or they're deciding mm-hmm. what to do with what Varland spouted. Mm-hmm. Do we fit? We finished this job. We need to go to the people who we who are going to pay us for it. Right? There's this this artifact belongs to somebody, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're we've got a job to finish. But we've got this warning. Yeah. And that first thing you get is this dynamic that mm-hmm. without their leader, they're spiraling as a group. Yeah. Um, that they they want to turn to Hendrick, mm-hmm. but. They don't. They didn't sign up under Hendrick, mm-hmm. right? He didn't hire them, um, and that conflict between being a mercenary, huh. being a decent human being. What do we owe the realms? Or Dwarden or Elf? Uh, or yep, sorry, or Dwarden or, or Elf. I don't mean to be uh, specious, um, and 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 so that instant, like within that first part, we've got a dynamic in the group that we've been through a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we're going to keep getting to, like we're going to be able to work together mm-hmm. moving forward mm-hmm. yeah I, um, and then as they get so they decide not as a group and not everybody agrees but hendrick takes control and says i'm gonna step up to what my brother did we're gonna go to um dracothian Drac- no draconium draconium and we're gonna we're gonna set we're gonna give this warning that's yeah. and and uh the the priestess ramilla she's like you know this has to be for sigmar she gets behind him. The elf, uh, the the way, oh, way watcher is a second command. Mm-hmm. The sure. party says, yes, we're going to go. Well, and it's very much and a sense of like, we're not going to let uh, Varlin's death sort of be in vain. Or mm-hmm. the, the folks who agree anyways are yep. like, well, right, well, this this has to mean something. There has to be some meaning to Varlin's yep. death. So this is our sort of last honor uh, to our fallen to our fallen leader. Yeah. And Mr. Jorgensen is that tension in the group who says, look, we finished what we were assigned to do, right? So this dreadhold contained a treasure, and they have this treasure now. And he keeps insisting, we need to just finish our mission first. And Hendrick says, no, we have a new mission now that supersedes our previous one. So right from the get-go, we have this tension already where there is a member of the group, the mercenary who protected Varlin, who was supposed to protect Varlin, and the rest of the group. I mean, legitimately, the, the beginning chapter, the bodyguard is the one who fails to be the bodyguard and becomes the person who says that everything is wrong. So you're a big Boric fan, it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> all right, so so they they decide they're going to head to the city and, and deliver this warning, yep. this this prophecy. What a what a noble noble bunch! All right, let's go to let's go to chapter one where the book f- officially kicks off, uh, and we're introduced to a character that we never see again. Um, uh, <laughs> We're, we're, we followed this Tobias Kench, who's a city watchman at Draconium. Apparently, he's not the super nicest guy. Uh, he beats up hoodlums in a bar. Uh, and uh, on his patrol or what have you, he uh, discovers a hole in an alleyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this alleyway leads into, like, a bar cellar. Like, this is an urban area, right? So, he's, he's walking yep. amongst the... the, the city buildings finds a hole that leads to a bar cellar of course he's going to investigate it because he's a nosy little dude um and he finds a hidden space and some more tunnels like in the cellar of this of this bar um so he thinks he's onto something like he's finding some smugglers or something like that and that really 
excites him because he yeah. seems like that sort of guy, kind of guy. Um, it's pretty smug about it. Yeah, real smug. And uh, lo and behold, this is our first introduction that like things aren't what they seem in this city. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's ambushed by some unseen forces or yep. what have you. I wonder what they could possibly be. Who knows, man? We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> Guys, I want to know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it, it was odd, odd choice, I guess. Maybe not uh, to like to start the book off this way from this character that like we meet and then never see again for obvious reasons um, in one chapter. I guess it sets the stage or sets the it tone. It does set the tone of you're gonna have people that are gonna have problems. Yep. Sure. Right? It, it just it network. tells you. I think it tells you a little bit about the city too. The you know how the watch relates to its people, and it seems like yeah the the watch. Are in are framed as the mainline defense. The captain is it's her job to say this, and these are the kinds of people she has to yeah. work with. I, I will say I did not I did not bat an eye. I, I thought this was it felt like Black Library sort of thing. Sure. Like, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Establish some danger by wrong again, Aaron. Sure. So apparently, <laughs> so apparently Tobias is Davy's favorite character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along. Here we're finally introduced to the Helena Morthen, um, that that captain of the watch that we were talking about before. So she um, honestly does much happen in this chapter. So yeah. this goes to the captain. She's getting these reports because so the yeah. the cat this oh, watchman right. has yeah. has disappeared. My we boys. find out that this isn't the first incident of something like this. Um, and so she's with her kind of second in command who helps her out. Taverton Grange. Yeah, Taverton. he's a little bit. Uh, comes from wealth so he's maybe in his position from from favor mm-hmm. uh privilege whereas again she's earned it and so she's there's a little bit of difference there but she, he's very respectful yeah well and uh this was a real minor note but this is one of the things that made me like this book um a little bit more was it was going to be real easy to trope this guy oh he's from a nobility he doesn't know what he's doing he just has this job because of his uh social status and he's really bad at it and we hate him because he's bad at it and he doesn't deserve that like, predict that like oh he's gonna be a problem later sure yeah. uh but even even in this initial thing she finds things that she doesn't like about him things that she does like about him yeah. um and i i thought that was cool to just introduce nuance in in a tertiary character here mm-hmm. quaternary character so they're it, yeah and they're so together they're trying to plot out kind of you can imagine they've got stuff spread out reports trying to pin straight red string from one to the other or yeah. whatever he's like i this is this is the craziest thing i've seen in my entire career and she's <laughs> like you've been on 10 months son and like uh, and, and they so they can't they can't quite figure it out so they do this interesting thing they're like get the sages on this or the um scribes have them come down and look at it and see if they can figure it out we're gonna go hit the streets and do do the job pound some pavement um and they come to uh, one of the somebody comes to him is oh so and so was was kind of reprimanded for shouting nonsense about the end of days or something mm-hmm. like that, and she's like well who was it and recognizes the this this person, and they go down there and they have this interesting dialogue where Grange is like it's just this you know crazy person quote unquote, and she's like well do you remember this thing that happened he predicted that yeah you remember this other thing yep he warned us about that like there's other things that he says that aren't true but. The things that have happened, he's talked about it. So we're going to go check him out. It's old Enwin Hosver. Mm-hmm. Hosver. But, yeah, I think there was also a mention that he was relocated by request that there is some other, the higher power saying, he's making kind of a noise. We don't really need that right now. Uh, so, yeah, there's an instance where she hears that, like, this is, again, this is one of the place, points where they humanize her and show, like, how much she cares about the city itself mm-hmm. by by treating this 
uh, vagabond and and you know as like somebody she cares about mm-hmm. so to, if she cares about the lowliest right she cares about everybody mm-hmm. um and yeah, yeah so she goes to speak with him he feels you know gets the information about some ominous thing coming in does he mention the bad man and not the bad man specifically he, he speaks vaguely about this you know right. ominous threat um yep. to, to the city and uh, you know as the vaguest and best prophecies always are that like there are no specifics but he, he seems real worked up about it right like yep. this is uh, very real to him um and so they sort of they take the information that he has yep. um and sort of allay his fears you know and and try so, to anyways. some of these other things are like violent outbreaks um you know one group starts um kind of spouting off weird kind of things that they're seeing that aren't there in another group attacks them thinking mm. that they're against this other crazy thing that, that they're talking about um people are getting f- fungus break outbreaks sure. people are getting eaten by like insects getting and eaten stuff by like insects yep. um yeah they come across the body of another watchman that was just big old centipede crawls right out from inside of it there's Super your gross. there's your giant centipede model right there i yeah. know um, it's coming Sure, um, and so they they take their leave of him, sort yeah. of like uh, they they've got what they can, and they're investigating other. Um, that, that, actually, that, that's where that the giant body. centipede. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then they get a report like soon there soon thereafter. Um, he's like, hey, Captain, Captain, you know that dude you're just talking to? Yeah, what about him? He lit himself on fire. Like he straight up killed himself. Yeah, uh, because that's how uh, terrified of the future or like the the next you know the next phase of this you know ominous threat. Um, yeah. He'd rather. He, yeah, self-immolate. He, yeah, he either wanted both wanted to leave or wanted to make sure that like what he was saying was taken seriously. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. He maybe. expired. Oh, jeez. Often, so, often, <laughs> often, self self-immolation is a statement of like. Yeah, that's true. Take me seriously. I had an excuse to make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to not yeah. take things uh, seriously. Um, so. Uh, you you can see things. This is very clear now that things are not all right in the city. We're getting a, sure. a larger perspective. Um, no, we're, this we're, one is the first yeah. thing that shocked me. I was like, I was well, not expecting like yeah, somebody goes missing, but having that like a civilian something like that happen, mm-hmm. there's something real wrong. Sure. Well, and rotten in Denmark. From a like allegorical sense, right? He sets himself on fire. We're in the realm of fire, so it almost proves that truth as it were of what he's saying mm. because he becomes one with the realm i'm surprised he wasn't already on fire living in the realm of fire like isn't everybody like just sort of yeah a little smoky <laughs> um all right so smoky. let's cut let's cut back to uh, our friends in the swords of sigmar he puts uh, out fires all and the they do finally arrive uh to draconium wielding their prophecy they're all ready to share it to anybody who's going to listen um unfortunately they're rebuffed. I was going to say debuffed, but that that's wow, which is coming out soon. Um, and they're rebuffed at the, the closed gates. Uh, apparently, and then they, cows were catapulted over. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and they no, fart in their general direction. Um, uh, but they're, they're not allowed in the city. Apparently, the city is on lockdown for these reasons, I guess, that we've talked about. Like, mm-hmm. the, it, it, there's some weird stuff going on, and they're not about to let the out, uh, you know, outsiders in, into the city. So the gates are all locked. They, they can't even get any audience initially with anybody of import. Any import. There's, um, a, there's a barge guy who's like, good luck, son. We've been yeah. waiting out here forever. Sure. Yeah. And we're on a barge, right? Yeah. Everybody respects the barge. Yeah. <laughs> um, can't you barge right in? Yeah, um, yeah. 
Paul wants to say something. We're missing uh, one that pretty cool little thing at the beginning of each chapter. I wouldn't say I'm missing it, Paul. There's a nursery rhyme. So in chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Real cool. There is a nursery rhyme set into the mortal realms mm. that is the beginning of the chapters. Is it and, of the parts or every chapter? Uh, it might be the parts, actually. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Um, uh, that is this... Um, at, at, uh, for essence, a normal person's understanding of what a gloom spike git would be. Mm. So it's kind of a cool little touch to humanize, as it were, or contextualize. Yeah, I mean, like we, we've got you know old nursery rhymes that have to do with you know trolls and cutting off heads and yep. things like that. You know, it's it's one of those creepy ones from back in the day, and and the, I think it, it it's one of those things that flushes out the or or likens this time period with you know medieval or you know times in our own history yeah that's true well and it also sets the context so we have these attacks we have these problems and even though we can say what's going on they don't have any answer for what it actually could be well i guess this is where we get like those nursery rhymes tell us what's happening yep. <laughs> yeah the the people have no clue. Like yeah. in in the story, in the narrative, in the dialogue, nobody has an idea. Yeah. So it's not like somebody's like, "Oh, it could be Grotz." People don't even acknowledge that Grotz exists. Right. It's very. It's very the, there's that parallel back to the old world. Well, people didn't think Skaven existed, right? It's yep. very similar to that concept. It's also mm. weird to think that like you have lived in the moral realms long enough. Like it's, some weird stuff happened. You would think I'm, this yeah. is on lockdown, and we're yeah. going to solve this this problem. And like I don't know, people are getting eaten by bugs all the time. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the things I think about AOS and as we read these stories is that while AO age of Sigmar, like there's real gods, there are round gates, et cetera, et cetera. One's experience might like they, they like what in one of the parts of the chapter we'll talk about, they said they're uh, t two days from the nearest realm gate. Right. Mm -hmm. So they know about realm gates. There may be parts of the realms where people have heard of realm gates, but there's the distance because the realms are so huge. The distance is so great that it may be a myth, right? Mm -hmm. So one place they can see it, it's very tangible, it's real. Another place, they've never experienced anything like that. And there's so many things in the realms that, you know, in one place you might think that uh, grots are a nursery rhyme. Someplace else, that's your food uh, source. And, you know, uh, tr walking trees is a, is a myth, right? Mm -hmm. um, it. Some people have seen gods... Some people are very skeptical of that they. That's a good point, and know. that makes the the moral realms all that more appealing. I guess is the the variety of perspectives and like experience that like the people have. Like right in the same way that the folks who live in Shyash are used to seeing the dead. Where like to your point, folks and actually like if they saw a skeleton walking around, they'd be terrified. Like yep. why, why is that dude up and moving? Um, good point. I like that. Uh, all right. Um, so eventually, our, our our party is sitting outside the gates. They're constantly sort of shouting, "Hey, we've got this important information. We got to get to somebody important." Uh, I'll say important one more time. Um, and uh, they're not. They don't, they don't seem to be making any headway. But eventually, one of the guards on the gates who hears that they have info. Well, this is. I would say this is one of the points where Hendrik is just ineffective. He's not a good communicator. He's still trying to figure out what his role is here. He's yeah. not his brother. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somebody yeah. says, "Hey, so, numb nuts." <laughs> Well, they eventually catch the ear of the the captain of the city watch, or you know, the the message gets relayed, and so she already gets a sense that something's amiss in town, and so any any information related to that, as we sort of found with that that yeah. prophet, um, uh, 
she's willing to at least hear them out, so she does come to the gate, or they're, they're brought to the, the captain, because um, she's willing to hear what this, this prophecy is. It seems mm-hmm. out, of, out of the ordinary. Um, and so they relate it to her. But even when they're packed at the city gates waiting to get in, they already start to feel the effects of this acid rain, right? Mm-hmm. So they're starting to have to cover up, and the, the actual soldiers themselves are covering up, and you were really excited about um, the coats and the stuff they were using. They they so the Andy, Andy Clark does a few things where he invents some terminology or invents some 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 things that are a part of these the everyday lives of these people. And so one of them is uh, called a scald shade, which is basically an umbrella made of leather that's been treated with ointments uh, in order to protect against uh, kind of wear and tear from the acid rain. And so mm-hmm. um, just kind of like one of those things where we would say you know umbrella. They're, you know, have a name. It's mm-hmm. a cool thing that protects them. Uh, and it's not only the umbrellas and their coats, but also the actual buildings themselves are coated in this. Yeah, the walls light. have like an oil or a, t- you yep. know. And then there is a type of rock that is resistant to it, but very few things in the actual city are made from that type of rock. Which seems dumb. You should make everything out of that rock. <laughs> you would think. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a minor problem. <laughs> I get it. You guys get it. Anyways, uh, so... Uh, the the city watch captain um helena so she hears them out and so this this here in their story gives her an idea right so she's been trying to convince the actual like ruler of this town which is the the militant regent regent militant um uh she she's trying to convince him that there's you know something afoot here and that it re- requires more resources but she doesn't seem to be making any headway with him and some of it she's been having these awful nightmares right and oh, then yeah? uh something with this prophet said something that kind of corresponds she's like uh had a little link with that she's like oh that actually sounds like my dream and what these guys are coming with their prophecy kind of links into that so she's she's buying into them more than somebody might otherwise do yeah she's connecting the dots and so she realizes that maybe this prophecy that she's gotten yep. from the swords of sigmar was going to lend some credibility to her uh, argument. And so she's, I don't know, for better words, using this prophecy to maybe uh, strengthen her argument with the, the regent militant. So she takes them uh, to his to his presence to sort of make their case um, and, and relay that information. Uh, super nice dude. Super chill. Uh, maybe one of my favorite characters. Uh, that also subverted my expectation in terms of like, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be pompous. Dude was like, was like grandpa. Uh, regent militant. I was waiting for the turn, right? Like, I always thought yeah. that he was going to, like, um, I, I mean, turn heel. Uh, he never really, well, I mean, he did, but maybe not in the sense that I thought he was. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that he is not here because he is, like, this royalty. He's here because he, he was a hero. He saved this city. He saved this city a long time ago, mm. but he was the savior, and that is how he got his position. So mm. he is a merited those are the yeah, rules. You save a city, city, you save a city, you yeah. get to rule it. That's um, how it goes. But at this point, it, Helena does mention a couple times that like he's kind of old and he's kind of getting up there and he she, really she, can't be this hero anymore. She feels like he's reliving his glory days where, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was part of this big campaign that took this area back from chaos in, in the retakings, right? Um, or whatever, you know, save this, save this city. And yeah. he... So he places great stock in those things that were important to him in his youth. So he continues to try to uh, put his resources, be they money or manpower or whatever, into further crusading, uh, uh, which factors in here, where he's he kind of dismisses some of these threats. He says, well, you know, the, the bigger crusade is out there. We got it here. We mm-hmm. can figure this out. This is this is chump change. Or we got this. Furthermore, it's not we got this. It's you got this yeah, city sure. watch, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I, I, 
Here's the deal. I if, trust if you. If you have enough faith in Sigmar, you're yeah. going to make it happen. Yeah. There's well, a... Well, as they're getting led to the this place, uh, his headquarters, we're seeing statues certainly of like Stormcast, but where he, his big scene slaying a dragon is larger than life. Almost like this... You feel... You get the impression that he's arrogant and pompous and that he's kind of uplifting himself even over Sigmar. Um, and... But when... When we get there, we see like he is very kind. He's very willing to hear. Like he's not unreasonable. Uh, and the things he says, like, hey, we've he names the things that they've survived, and these mm-hmm. weren't small things, like mm-hmm. demons uh, you know, manifesting inside the city. Yeah. And that big uh, like a huge demon invasion inside the city. Like, we've done that. Like this yeah. can't be worse than that. So I think we can handle it. The other thing, I, what was interesting about this guy is that he very much took the position of um, uh, warrior king mm-hmm. and even priest. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Which was an interesting combination of roles that harkened back to Sigmar. Sure. I, I think Andy Clark wrote him well. I believed him for what he was. Like that, that mm-hmm. maybe he filled that spot that that character should. Like he, he felt lived in. Sure. And, and you, I felt that, like, I didn't hate him i just was frustrated by him sure like right yeah. i, it I think that's exactly what you were supposed he wasn't to yeah. evil just mistaken yeah. Yeah. right which best you could hope for i guess no that's not true he'd be right <laughs> did you but you did you see from his position and be like i don't sure i can see how you yeah well i well, it's it's i've never the thing you're describing is never something i've had to face before and so like if i'm going to refer to the thing the limited experience not limited he's faced a lot of stuff but like mm-hmm. i'm going to refer to my rolodex of things i've already dealt with like i'm doing everything i can to deal with those threats that i've already dealt with yeah. sure i mean this is what makes tragedy is like people making the wrong choices for the right reasons right mm-hmm. so. also felt like management <laughs> uh, yeah i'm dealing with it you <laughs> I've got you doing this, <laughs> and he doesn't. And he doesn't all right say it, but it, there was almost a sense of like, if you can't do it, I'm going to get someone who can. Like, yeah. I'll have someone who has more faith. Yeah. Paul wants to say something. Um, so one of the other things is that there is no Stormcast presence in this city, and if there is a failing, it is that he doesn't think that they need help from anyone else. Right? It is very much set up that they don't need Stormcast because they're good enough alone. So even from the very get go, you kind of get the feeling that he's never going to believe what Hendrick is saying because he's not from the city. Hmm. So he doesn't really trust him. Like even when they walk into the palace, I know you're coming here to give me a prophecy, but you need to turn in your weapons, right? You're foreigners. You're not of us. And so this is, uh, this is an interesting thing and it really humanizes the city itself. Instead of having these superheroes, again, we have these very normal day to day humans. Sure. Just like me. Uh, So they fail. Uh, there is an interesting moment, uh, if I may uh, highlight uh, Eleanor, who is the Ironweld... Um, Eleonora. Eleonora, sorry, the Ironweld engineer. Um, she happened to catch every word verbatim that uh, Varlin had said and, and was able to re- recite these at the wall and then again here. Um, she's constantly tinkering. I very much got a feeling that uh, she may be on like an autistic spectrum, yeah. um, but she's... She's very well respected and treated, at least in the first part of this book, very well and, and you know, held up for what she, you know, she's very capable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciated that that element where, like, and then also, too, like, Hendrick being a full-bodied person but kind of incapable in a, in a number of moments of 
doing what he needed to do. Sure. Because he's trying to plead with uh, the regent militant and even like he's intimidated. This person can stand eye to eye to him, has done as much or more than him. He doesn't, he doesn't rise to the occasion there. Um, and, and uh, Helena says as much a little bit later on, but mm-hmm. like, he's just, again, not capable, but this other person who you might expect to be less capable is able to kind of muster that ability to, inspire at least a, a, a head turn or a consideration from him this comes up much later but i don't know a better place to bring it up because it doesn't necessarily work with the plot but you find out that eleonora wasn't always considered capable or she isn't always considered capable and mm-hmm. um she had there's there's flashbacks to her past sure. and because of her whether it's her gender or her you know the uh, mental state i guess um she she didn't always necessarily get the respect that maybe someone of her caliber or skill yeah. um ought to have um, which is a, a sort of fun juxtaposition. So, also, she's bitten by a, she's been bitten by a spider somewhere yep. at this point too. Yeah. yeah. But so, I just wanted to say I really respected that Andy Clark wrote that sort sure. of character and was treated so well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, even I, I appreciate the representation here, like mm-hmm. of the of the original eight, one of whom is dead at the ep- uh, prologue of the story. Mm-hmm. Three of them are female. Mm-hmm. You know, you got I, I yeah I I had the same thought. I enjoyed that there were other representations in here. So we've hit the point where they've talked to the art militant regent or regent militant, uh, and they have been talked to and they've been dismissed, right? And I think it might be useful at this point to talk about what the different members of the Swords of Sigmar have a reaction to, right? So for to start with, Boric is just like we're done, right? We did what we said. We honored Varlin's memory. We're leaving now, right? Everybody says that we're leaving. Um, uh, but Hendrik says, we're not done yet, right? Eleonora... Well, they can't. They have a, an obstacle where they, they aren't allowed to leave because mm-hmm. the doors are shut. Yeah. But despite El- that, yeah. Bork is like... We no, can figure this we out. We can yeah. figure yeah. this out. Um, Eleonora... He's like, man, don't you know? We can fly. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Eleonora wants to find a workshop. This is kind of a, an enduring theme is that she wants to find a place to tinker with things. She wants to find a workshop to be able to work on things. Um, and so we still continue that tension that we had from earlier on in the book, but it's a little bit more pronounced now, right? Uh, they've, they've finished their initial mission, and now they're stuck in a position of not being able to leave, but many of them don't want to leave anyway. Mm. And instead of resolving that tension, we, we smash cut over to uh, Chrysanthena, a weird cult leader. Cult oh. leader. Yep. Yeah. Um, Another really cool part, and again, taking us a, a step aside to to point out a little corner of this city and a corner of the realm and a corner of like religion uh, that didn't need to take place, but I was very glad that it did. And yeah. it, I don't know, but it felt like a. I almost felt like I was being like uh, deceived into thinking like this was perhaps part of the threat, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of like. Anyway, the basis of her cult is that, uh, and this is cool. I've never really thought about this in, in these terms, but there's the realm of heavens. Mm-hmm. That is heaven. That's what's pure. We're all tainted and foul to be down here. We got, it. but it's a it's an actual place we can go to, and there's a realm gate right there, and we just have to be faithful enough to go and do it. And so there's you know, it's just, it's almost like a doomsday cult, right? Like, yep. mm-hmm. hey, there's gonna be this time, and we're gonna get raptured you know or whatever yeah. like we're, we're gonna go we're gonna go 
back uh, back to the heavens where things are pure and uh, we're going to be rewarded for our faith that we we get to go. You know, you always hear about like the the the, the, pe- the people leaving his ear. What would you call that? Like the the pioneers leaving his ear, trying to resettle the mm-hmm. the moral realms. Imagine being a, a resident of you know actually whatever, yeah. seeing these people leaving heaven to come like settle. Your life. What, what are you doing, you, you maniacs? <laughs> Like, could I take your spot? Like, I want to go kick it back in heaven. Yeah. Um, so it is a weird juxtaposition. And like you said, like, it's something like I hadn't thought of it either. The idea that like heaven is a place on earth. Oh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> no, anybody? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to go there. Like, to sure. be constantly under Sigmar's protection. And yeah. this this is a thing that they've, I, I'm used to in Black Library, it being if you are a devotee of Sigmar, then you're then you're on the right path, right? Mm-hmm. You're on the right track. This is the first time that I've seen where it was like somebody's a somebody is like, "Hey, Sigmar, you're the best," but maybe they're steering people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, like warping yeah. that, like that devotion to, to sure. Sigmar. Yeah, and the the point of the cult is that everything but the realm of heavens is purgatory, right? Mm-hmm. You have to prove yourself worthy of returning. Mm-hmm. Jokes the realm on of them. Heavens. Just walk through a, a realm gate, and you're fine. Yeah. Well, it, to me, this felt like it could be. An angle or an uh, extreme, even of the devoted of Sigmar. Uh, I mean, with the the sure. flagellation and mm-hmm. and asceticism, and you know, taking it to an extreme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the she's the uh, what was her name? Mm, it's hard to pronounce. Chris Chris yeah. so She's the torchbearer, and that she is the leader, and she she does a lot a lot to psychologically abuse her followers and sure. to to kind of. Um, herd them into yeah. the mentality. Don't keep your kids out of that acid water. If they have faith enough, they won't get burned. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but which, what was also, that was an interesting mirror to what the regent uh, militant talked mm-hmm. about too and being like, hey, I mean, if you don't think we can ha- we can hack it, it's because you don't have faith, not because we don't have enough swords or yeah. we don't have enough of whatever. So, um, yeah. I love it. it. it was I love like, it. They were, yeah, dank uh, warehouse in a in a abandoned part of town, so the city's big enough to have an abandoned part. Sure. Um, so things like that that just added a lot of flavor. Yeah, they had a little mass there. Um, and then uh, we we cut back to the Swords of Sigmar, and because they're sort of locked in the city, they decide you know they decide to be useful, I guess. In Let's a earn sense. some coin. Yeah, longer. right. Um, yeah. So they are able to link up with the captain of the watch again, Helena, and say, Hey, look, we'll we'll do some. I don't want to say dirty work. We'll do some footwork for you. Um, if if you you'd be willing to pay for us, like um, can thirty we... D's done dirt cheap. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they come to an agreement. Yeah. So they she's like, all right, well, I got these things that need to be looked into. I'll I'll sick you guys on them. So go at it. And they do. Um, and so they sort of split up, um, join in the sort of little sub parties, and they go uh, taking uh, take a look at some mysteries. Can, I know we've been talking about these different characters, but um, the captain basically asks, well, what are you guys any good at? And uh, Hendrick does a rapid fire of the crew, if you want me to read that. Yeah, I would love it. Romilla Aiden, Sigmarite warrior priest and military veteran. Eleonora Van Guest, brilliant outcast, and if there's anything she can't blow up, it's not worth the black powder. Aelin Melathril, wanderer, way watcher. If you mean us any harm at any point, she will know, and you will die with an arrow in your skull. Bartman Cotran, death wizard, does very much what it says on the keg. Alt Shev, Scout, another veteran from Azerheim's glorious armies, just like me. And the surly arse at the bar is Boric Jorgensen, who my brother Varlin hired as a bodyguard a couple years back, and who I'm sure you will have noticed carries a very large gun. There. 
You know us. Now, hire us, and then we can get some damn sleep. <laughs> this, this feels like that part where, like, they get the freeze frame and then, like, the subtitle or whatever. Yeah. Damn it. That was like, like an AOS A team, yeah. right? What is it? If the ex- the Expendables? <laughs> uh, you know, so, Explosive Scott, expert. Yeah, I was guy's. thinking of uh, Inglorious Bastards where oh, they'd yeah. freeze it underneath. Yeah. I loved it. A couple uh, equally good calls there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, I've seen those movies um, or, or like uh, Ocean's Eleven I've I feel like each movie. person Ocean, like sure. Ocean's Eleven yeah. that's better that is the one, that is the one we both should have said Paul what you got I said AOS A team mm. well, I guess we AOS team AOS yeah, team I was gonna do that but I was like eh, I don't know if that would translate A team of Sigmar anyways uh, so <laughs> so they're hired and let's like investigate a mystery um, so they, they rut roll rig yeah if they just would have had a Griffhound, they could have been Scooby Doo <laughs> So us uh, one group of them I don't even know Screw who me. they they uh, take a take a peek at a tunnel Let's that see was who the arch militant really was. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know you're trying to talk about the plot. We're still making jokes over here. <laughs> Wait a second, it was Scooby along? Oh, no, uh, I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you dying kids. Guys, there's a tunnel in the basement, and we're not going to be able to investigate it if we don't spend time taking <laughs> a look right. at it. Uh, and <sighs> so it was in the basement of the Alchemist Guild, which I guess is pertinent because they have a whole bunch of bottles. And it, did we learn at one point Gloomspite don't make their own no, they steal them all. So, like little test part of those reports previously were like weird things get stolen, and some of the things getting stolen are mm-hmm. yeah, just glass bottles. Yeah, and exactly. And then there's also um, apparently this grain that was stored in a warehouse um, went went real bad. Like not just regular bad, but real real bad. Gnarly like, bad. Yeah. You ever see like that corn blight or whatever? Like, oh, I just get the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. But like corn gets like weird mushrooms. Anyways, that's what you happened. You are so grain. midwestern right now. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Chicago. Like, I didn't see a cornfield in that <laughs> No, no, it was the heebie-jeebies, I think. Both the heebs no, and no, the No, no, it was like, oh, man, corn blight, yuck <laughs> I don't know. Andy like Clark, we know you corn. hit his button. Science it was textbook. like, oh, no, it's like corn blight. I'm from Illinois. All right. Um, but anyways, it was real gross. So the grain goes goes real bad. Um, and they suspect that, like, there's, like, a connection to, like, the sewers. So they're wondering if, like, there was a connection to the sewers that made the, the green go bad. Mm. Um, so uh, each of the groups explore these crime scenes, but um, whilst like one group's in the, the sewers and one group is exploring the tunnels underneath this alchemist guild, there's a huge like tremor, like earthquake. Yeah, uh, and but like almost a reverse earthquake, right? Like gra- skycrake? Well, well, like gravity goes oh, all wacky, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. so there's a big tremor and then uh, in the one, like the only person who is able to like kind of hang in there is... Uh, the the overlord mm. who's in his jo- heavy armor Jorgensen, yeah. Jorgensen yeah. and he's like on his tiptoes because he's 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 just barely held down and he's he's like running with them in his sure. arms like it was it took me a while to figure out what was going on but it was yeah. it was cool yeah yeah, yeah agreed it you'd almost wish he would have been on something metal so he could have flipped on his boots right because sure. don't they yeah. have like magnet boots yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy knows his lore <laughs> darn right I don't know if you know this but I do like a lore podcast uh, for AOS. <laughs> Uh, really what's it called <laughs> oh don't you're giving me never heard of it i don't know if you guys saw today but like i might have my feelings oh, hurt I today <laughs> we, we had uh one of our one of our biggest voices in the discord uh like he's been in there for months and day one he, yeah. he was like so hold on you guys do a podcast <laughs> how, how, how do i listen to it hard not to take that personal <laughs> 
full disclosure, I knew he didn't listen to our podcast. Wait a minute. But I was like, it's so, okay. So, like, we're getting randomly, our Patreon's getting randomly found. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah. people are just kicking it in the Discord. Just giving us money. Yeah. yeah. The Mortal Realms. Just know it. Throw up enough gnaw holes. The Mortal Realms.com <laughs> slash Discord. Are we the bad guys in this story? Quite possibly. Kidnapping people in Are we talking about a story still? I didn't remember that. I, I mean, I just I stepped away. Like I, I, I stood up and walked away from the computer when I read that. <laughs> so basically, in two different places, we have these little parties that are exploring, and Splitting they the both party. have this issue with the pressure wave, mm-hmm. and then gravity having an issue. Mm-hmm. And Eleonora is in a workshop, and she also oh, right. suffers problems separate, from yeah. this yeah. Um, this lack of gravity, and she takes some further injury to herself. Yeah. Um, in addition to the spider bite that's already causing some lingering issues. Yeah, like shrapnel through her back. I, I couldn't figure out if this is a gravity thing or a magnetism thing or something like that, or maybe both. But like mm-hmm. basically the laws of physics, such as they are in the mortal realms, all get thrown off by something. So something big's coming. Both I got the feeling, I, she might have explained it later, but that the laws of physics changed, and mm-hmm. so some of the stuff blew up, right? It was stable, but mm-hmm. because the laws changed, stuff started messing up. Kind of like when the necroquake hit. A little bit. Um, yep, so... Uh, we're sort of left on a, a split, just a real quick cliffhanger, like, who, who survives this? Uh, surprise, everybody survives it. Um, but they, they they end up reconvening back at the, you know, the inn that they're all staying at, sort back of nurse, nursing their wounds. Um, but they are uh, retrieved there, because it turns out something's going down at the the city gates, the city walls, um, and they're, they're needed to, like, you know, I don't know, help diffuse the a situation. A million grots and squigs waiting to take the city, right? Mm, wrong, no, no, we wrong, haven't seen wrong, a single wrong. grot, a single squig. We uh, have seen no uh, grots, scrubs no squigs. That they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're wrong. Oh, God, I love that show. Uh, and I have them all on DVD, and I don't own anything on DVD. Um, Ironically, this entire book makes you want to scrub the whole time. Boo. Uh, so they're I waiting at the gates because because that cult that we were talking about yep, before and the militant regent is also there uh, that Eventually. sounds right yeah yep. I guess um, but the cult is skipping town they are outie yeah for shouty they're um, demanding so there's, a, there's a big standoff exit. right like the mm. the uh, militia militant is like no you're not leaving they say yes we are uh, they are threatening to blow up the gate yep like, oh man that's the gonna suck like, so uh, there's this big standoff and then the arch Regent, Regent militant, militant shows up and he's like, "Let him go." You sure. know, like, sure. If they basically, he he's saying this is a test of faith. Like, it's it's there's a religious conflict here. Um, but he he says if they, if they want to go, fine, let him go. Yeah. Um, and, and they agree this is a test of faith, right? It's mm-hmm. it's almost in the sense they're on the same side. They're like, yeah. yeah, no, that is, and we're gonna we're gonna like, pass. He's like, that's yeah. what I said. No, that's what I said. No, <laughs> faith, no faith I'm right. Is my no, thing. I'm right. <laughs> Exactly. And so they, they head out, and this is probably one of my favorite, like, both spookiest parts of the book and one of my favorite parts of the book. And so they, they, this they, is one of your favorite parts of the book? It is. It actually, I'm just from an interesting, right. it's just an interesting setup. So they, they set out this group, so this this cult of, I don't even know, like 50, 100 people maybe? Or maybe that's higher. I felt like it's three or four hundred. Yeah, yeah she, it was oh, a substantial amount. Okay, gotcha. So they they head out from the city and they're they're making their their plan is to make their way to Azir, right? So yeah. just outside the city limits, and, outside the gates, and they're going without 
uh, scald shields. Um, and you know, because the thing she's like, if you have faith enough, you won't get burned. And sure. she's going like, ah, this kind of burns. She's like, ah, it's fine. That's because my flesh is corrupt. Well, and, you know, and it's I'm, like, yeah, I love, I love whenever like any sort of, I'm going to say cult or, you know, religious aspect where like, no, this body is just a husk and yeah. like what's inside is really what matters. Like who cares? It's your, it's your flesh robot that you're walking down the street. Um, and <laughs> It is what it is. Um, so and so they're doing, but like this, the we're the, starting this cult later, right? <laughs> darn right. Uh, I started a long time ago. Do you think I had? Why I'm on this podcast, right? Just to <laughs> rope you guys in. Um, so the, almost within the city, side of the city, um, like this fog rolls in, and they're walking down, you know, walking down the road trying to, you know, get out of town, um, and as you might expect, people are getting plucked left and right and there's screams off in the distance and, yeah. and they're losing people. And yeah. it's super, like it, it's a quintessential like horror, like sure trope or scene. Also, like it happens in Jurassic Park when the velociraptors get them like in the grass. <laughs> um, anyways, it's uh, the monster offspring. Yeah. But in this, so there's, there's like some glimpses where you're like, Oh, that might be a grot. Like mm-hmm. where they're like, maybe it's something small and Be- beady like red that. eyes or like, you uh-huh. know, glinting yeah. blades in the, in the, in the fog. Excuse yeah. me. Movie reference tra- tangents have been a staple of the more realms podcast <laughs> since day one. Since inception. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm just waiting Shout to, out to, Do we have to have the whole thing go backwards though. Uh, so at any rate, uh, this this lantern bearer who's the leader, um, so she ends up I think getting to be one like one of the last people standing, but she's still yeah. marching onwards. You know, well, face- she has this thing. It was like, oh man, like I'm getting kind of scared. Oh, but I shouldn't because if I if I lose faith, then you know, then how the heck could any of my followers keep faith? So I'm going to try. But oh no, but now I'm thinking about. It, but how do I stop thinking about it? Ah! Yeah. <laughs> to that end what followers right like at this point she's yeah. all by herself and then you know she gets you know dragged down you know, off screen and there's a scream yeah. in the distance um so and this whole Oryx. crowd is gone but it's all off screen mm. oh and this whole time leading up to this is this it's been this uh downpour mm-hmm. acidic rain downpour that they haven't been able to shake uh shortly after this uh procession of cultists or whatever that have gone out uh, the next morning, it's sunny out, and sure. everyone's like, "Oh man, I, I guess the arch regent militant was uh, a <laughs> regent, <laughs> yeah, militant. regent militant. Is a militant regent, archbishop, cardinal regent militant. I guess that regent militant was right, and he's like, "Yeah, you know." So this this is this is a sign that the Sigmar was looking for us to cast out these these uh, unbelievers, not even unbelievers, over-believers. but like overbelievers, two, yeah. two over, believers. overachiever <laughs> believers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no that was, that was my childhood <laughs> <laughs> deep thoughts yeah. uh, which I mean but we, it, we've met Sigmar a couple times now does that read for Sigmar at all like does that track is there like his perspective on like you know no. his followers or believers like I'm not to put him on too high a pedestal but he seems like a pretty cool dude like, generally <laughs> like would he want a whole cult of people to be just eliminated he wouldn't want that no but it's rough but but I mean here is a here is one of his foremost heroes and he's stretched so thin that even one of his foremost heroes uh, is is still kind of a little bit off base with with his interpretation of this, and that's a cool aspect, yeah. right? So, especially considering like he, Sigmar could just bop in real quick and be like, "Hey, no, that's <laughs> that's not cool. I don't like that." Yeah. <laughs> but and I would say over millennium or multiple millennium, Sigmar's probably seen uh, mortals worship him in a lot of different ways, sure. and he's got no control of yep. that. He's not. He yep. can't appear to all of. It. Well, you, yeah, I mean, being a god is hard, and trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, th- I mean, this is an example, 
and this is already well established but uh he's not omniscient mm-hmm. omnipotent omnipresent like he he doesn't have he has limited resources uh and he expends those and he gets in the way distracted by shiny things yeah <laughs> uh but hey sun's out these guns out, guns out. Yeah. <laughs> cool <laughs> so yeah. cool a couple of borics over here yeah. uh Sun's out, and it is time to celebrate, right? Like, so even the poor quarters are celebrating, and the regent militant says, I'm going to throw a big party. Well, but uh, what a fun I... guy. Pooh burns. <laughs> All right, let's cut to the celebration. Yeah. Right, so the party's invited. Apparently, everybody's invited because it's a big old mm-hmm. town celebration. Um, the uh, regent militant is hosting it at his... Is palace the right word? Yeah, it is? I mean, it's the oh, nobility, yes. right? Like, okay, the, yeah. the well-to-do are going here. Sure. Yeah, and so we'd be invited, right? Yeah, absolutely. Helena is not on board with this, so she hires the Swords of Sigmar to be bodyguards for the militant regent. The regent militant? Either way. Either way. It depends on like what he's doing that day. Because she still thinks that there's something going on, mm. and nobody really... Right, because some, of the, some right. of the disappearances are still occurring. Rightfully so. So they uh, they roll up, their nobility's celebrating, um, they're, they're feasting, it's your classic classic noble celebration there's probably champagne or whatever the equivalent is they have a cool social encounter of trying to get in and they've got all their mm-hmm. weapons and the guards are like no that's not happening <coughs> and, so, and they have to bluff their way in say i mean basically we're we're here you because, gotta do your deception check yeah, yeah we we think there may be some people who are actually sympathetic to all those cultists who got sent out so uh i mean if you want to be on your head when something happens and that's cool you know like we'll just take off and a, so. a classic RPG deception yeah, check. Actually, totally. yeah, right? yeah. Does Hendrik perform this check, or is it? Does he rely on anybody else? Hmm. I don't know, and I, I don't can't know. remember. Uh, but they they do they do kind of lay it down. I don't know. Okay. I don't I'm just yeah. looking for him failing again. <laughs> what do you have against Hendrik? Hendrik's about right. to happen. Well, I think. That, yeah. <laughs> what, what I, I mean, just I, wait for I, it. Again, I think he's uh, Andy Clark is writing a leader who's super fallible. Fallible. Yeah. You know. So. Wait for it. So are you at are you at this point yet? Or you're, no, I you're think okay. we've we progressed Passing. beyond his. This is, this is so now I want to start talking. <laughs> you're to you. all diverting uh, expectations from here on out. Yeah, all right, you're you're I mean, get ready for some bangers because here they go. <clears throat> I'm ready. Uh, all right, so uh, and mash. Eventually, and in, you are not ready. <laughs> at some at some point, the the regent militant uh, gets up to give a speech. Right, so he stands up at this big podium <clears throat> up above everybody. Yeah takes a swig of something and he's some special wine that some, just gets brought out especially for him yep some mm-hmm. fancy fancy wine and he, he's about to give a speech or he gives some sort of speech yeah. i don't know what toast it is. yeah bada bing bada boom uh something happens uh and he starts to like convulse and double over and uh turns into a giant mushroom well he starts coughing out spores yeah, yeah. that's what it is sure yeah. sure yeah. um i thought but, we were gonna make eric guess what happened oh mm. no i didn't oh he turns into a giant we're gonna make eric guess something coming up quick here, yeah but. All right. Oh, well, then someone else leave this. All right, I'm done. I'm out. Tapping out. <laughs> All right, so he coughs up this purple cloud of spores. It comes down and it hits uh, some of the some of the um, festival, not uh, the feast goers, right? Yeah. And then they start uh, changing. They, they grow big tusks. Uh, they get crazed. They get all, you know, it's, it's clearly, clearly mutating them. And they start basically zombie moding. Uh, and then, but like 28 days later, zombies, I not would, like Dawn of the Dead. Or I would argue Last they're flesh eater courting. Mm, that's a contest mm-hmm. yeah. well it's a sickness craziness that's transporting from a main figure to the rest of the people and then they start to attack and eat if other people if i don't think the prologue he turned into a chaos spawn what makes you think i'm gonna think this dude is a uh, uh, flesh eater <laughs> he's like no this is my mushroom moment yeah, yeah. 
Uh, no, I, I mean, everyone's, I get what everyone's Paul's saying in terms sure. of that flesh eater court is a mental mm-hmm. or a, uh, a blood transmuted yeah. mental state that yep, sure. causes normal people to. There's, yeah. Whatever. I get that connection's yeah. interesting. There's, a, there's yeah. a clear physical component to this, yep. though. Yep. Yep. So uh, all of a sudden, and these they're vomiting up this purple slime, which gets on other people and then turns them. And so it's just this like. You know, exponential propagation through and just total chaos mm-hmm. and uh, mm, destruction, though, probably. Mm, fair. Um, <laughs> and the Swords level. of Sigmar, who are there, are like, whoa, snap. Like, we were supposed to be here to protect the Regent Militant. And uh, he just doubled over. He's lying on the ground there. And we probably should go help him. So Actually, far the, so, so far, the only thing that they've successfully done is grab a crown that turned their leader into a nuts bag. They, oh, they, that was in the prologue. That hasn't happened. They, they delivered a warning. Uh, okay. Yeah, they yeah. they performed. That was ignored. They, yeah. They uh, they busted up some it. smuggling rings. Yep. Yeah. That was that was off screen. So, um, but uh, and they, they they have a job. To, like they they already have a job that they completed. Uh-huh. Uh, but right. they put that on hold in order to do this one. Anyway, I'm in de- in defense of the Swords of Sigma. Things anyway. are going so well. We got room to botch things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're like. They're, they're torn. Like, all we got is sidearms. Like, we've got what we were able to hide on our person. Um, we don't have our big weapons. We need that to be able to get through this because it is, it is chaos. Like, it is the, um, whatever these, these fungus zombies are, are just tearing things down. Uh, so there's, there's some people say, we got to go get the weapons. Other people say, we don't have time to do that. We got to go save this guy who is our job. And so they split the party again, right? Kind of um, a theme. Like, they do yep. that a lot. Yep. Um, Eric, yeah, you haven't read this far. No, I haven't. Um, it, what's your impression? Do you think? Do you think uh, any of these any of these uh, members of Swords of Sigmar are uh, due for the chopping block? Ooh, all right. We keep so, a tally. So they've they've they're, are they going back for their weapons in order to like jump back? In some some of them are going back for. Yep, there's the a weapons, group that's going back. And for their there's weapons. a group that's going to go save. Magic user, the wizard. He's going back for the weapons. So, but why does he need weapons? He's part he's of the posse. They can. Okay, so then he's laying down so cover some, fire. Okay, so then somebody is sticking to to stay in the fray. Is you're telling me, and who is it that stays in the fray? And maybe gets. Who do you yeah. think? That's um, the question. Maybe. I think. I think Bork is the first to go. So Romilla and Hendrick mm-hmm. fight their way to the front. And they're they're smashing zombies because Romilla's got like a little, uh, uh, like a what was assumed hammer. to be like a decorative hammer, <laughs> yeah. but it's like J.K. It's for real. And, I think uh, like a, like a judge's gavel, but like oh no, yeah. this really hurts. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, and Hendrick just rips a, a table leg off, and he's just using that as a <laughs> he's using that as a two handed club. Which is legit. It's, fun it's to cool. Read. Hey, yeah. hey, it's good. Uh, and they get Ray and they're late. pushing up, and they're almost there, and they get there, and the region militant, they're like. Uh, we're too late. This guy, this guy is like a shroom on the ground. Like he is, he is almost clearly dead. Yeah, turning into a mushroom. And as they're as they're arriving, uh, Hendrick gets jumped and vomited on, and Hendrick starts turning into a fungus zombie. No, I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me pretend. I was only twenty five percent invested let in me, the story. Let anyway, let me pretend. Oh no. Well, uh, what? I so, mean, I was, I was. Okay, so. To this point, I'm looking for a redemption arc of some sort. Mm-hmm. No. It, so you're no. telling me he... Well, he, so here's the thing. It. So he... he uh, Romilla has to put him down, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. She has to put her friend down. She has to... She hits him. There's like... 
the first of many headbutts. Clubs him or something. Yeah. Um, ends up ends up like smashing him, killing him, putting him out of his misery. Basically, um, he's able to have some last words. He's like, um, Ooh, I don't tells, know what they are. Oh, uh, Varlin, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. uh, I, I think is mm-hmm. is uh, what it was because he feels like he's he's failed he's his brother. Him, yeah. uh, but yeah. but for for redemption, I mean, this guy went down like trying to do his job, trying yeah. To, yeah. trying to help this city. Um, so um, yeah, I I would agree. His like kind of he did step up and try and become a leader to the group. Yeah. They're in the you know, and he did in the situation they're in. Yeah, they did. What he, they, he put himself in the most risky position of, of this. Is like we're cool. we're gonna try and do this job. Uh, but this was this was a, a shock to me. Yeah, like I, me I I feel like uh, I feel like I know that the arc that Black Library books take and it is here's the group and they're gonna get cut up and oh I have a hundred cuts and all that sort of thing and the character that I thought was gonna be our main character because he's the leader and i thought he was gonna have the arc of like oh i'm the reluctant leader oh actually yeah. it turns out i i'm good at being a leader he's he dies you know and we're less than halfway through the book yeah uh and this puts you on notice like oh man like all of a sudden the It'll stakes were up and we talked about this before like what are the stakes right I and mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about that uh and so all of a sudden i was like oh, okay and, and again subverting expectations mm-hmm. um it was not my expectation that uh, one of what I assumed was going to be the main characters would die, and so that that meant uh, any of the, the any of the dangerous positions that any of the characters were in. All of a sudden, I was like, I don't know if they're going to get through this, and uh, and I think that's this is the point where it became almost a page turner for me. Mm-hmm. So. See, this is the point. <laughs> Boo. This is not the Boo. this is not the book for me. Yeah. I was so happy when Varlin died. I was like, not thank Henrik. goodness, Henrik. Henrik. I was so happy because. I was so tired of him being maudlin and mourning his brother the whole book. You wow. heartless Paul, oh, you have I, the, the <laughs> things that you have zero empathy so far, this is appalling. I, I, good <laughs> Lord. Appalling. Yeah. Yes, unintentional. Oh, man, that's for the great. Win. Uh, <laughs> Back to uh, that. Um, so <laughs> it, it, I, I echo your point that, that it, it proves fair. that no one's safe, um, so mm-hmm. that uh, landed heavily. But also, like if, we're, if this was a... Um, if this was a horror movie, right? Like this mm-hmm. is when the people start dying, and like yep. you've got all these characters that like you, you know, you have a little bit of interest or, or mm-hmm. you know connection to, and then you're, you're going to start losing them. Yeah. And spoiler for the rest of this, like this is where it starts, basically. Yeah. Um, well, and to kind of illustrate the point, it's just this book talked a lot about the emotions of the characters, right? And that doesn't really excite me in fantasy. <laughs> what? That doesn't really excite oh. me in fantasy novels. This is, this is where we depart. Yep, because, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like the, the heart of any story is whether you can make a human connection. Mm-hmm. World build all you want. I'll, I'll think it's cool, but I won't connect to your story because, because mm-hmm. there's no one I can connect to, right? Yep. Like, uh, there has to be someone that I can identify with or at least appreciate. It, it may, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be... It's not going to be uh, a life that I know, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're in this crazy magical world. But I want to know that the characters have these feelings, have these emotions, have these reactions that some part of it I can identify with. And then I'm so much more invested in the story. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I mean, I remember this with with other things where, mm-hmm. you know, we there's some movie we'd be talking about, and you'd be like, oh gosh, I wish there was more, more word world building. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, like I I liked it because the character arc existed. Yeah. So I think you and I exist on different spectrums. You you mm-hmm. want you want more world building. I want more character arc, character yeah. development. I, I want more world building, and I want a little bit more action, and I also want more some action. Es- I want some escape. 
Yeah. And and that was a thing that to me yeah. was holding it back is every time I was like, okay, now we're getting to the action, there were several paragraphs about the emotions of the character. And I was like, Man. why couldn't well, we have just we moved are, on to the action? It could be a case of like where the emotion is set, like where that par- paragraph is. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, give, don't give me that right then. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I could see there being a literary having to separate the fact that like, yeah, he, he talked about this, but that was one of those things that was holding him back from, from being what he was supposed to be. And I think that that him being unlikable is intentional. Yeah. And that frustration, like being able to say that I'm frustrated with him. Shouldn't, it shouldn't be necessary. I don't want to say it in a a way that's condemning how you're feeling, but Mm -hmm. can be a way that you're enjoying how, I mean, it's how the story is constructed because that person is unlikable. Well, and like, cause I was very much, I was I mean, saying that I was looking for an arc, but I was okay with him being not the hero. Sure. Um, and that he didn't fit the archetype because yeah. we had a lot of archetypes mm-hmm. not fit. And uh, I mean, you, you talked about an example of a show you're watching where there are a lot of unlikable characters. I felt like I felt like a lot of these characters were likable and that sure. that's what made it more difficult. So I just want to make sure that we're not making that. Yeah. And, and Paul, I remember a previous conversation we had where mm-hmm. I think we were talking about, uh, it might've been movies yeah. where... I, or movies or TV shows, and I was at, I was making a recommendation, and you said, "Oh, is that drama?" Uh-huh. I said, "Yeah." And you're like, "Oh, I'm not interested." Mm-hmm. You're like, "Because your goal with your entertainment, with your free time, is that you want escape." Yep. Um, which I want imagination. I want creativity. Sure. Uh, and I I like those things too, but I, I think there's a place for drama. I think there's yep. a place for this sort of thing. Well, um, yeah. And there were, there were other things about this story that were frustrating to me like the fact that we've made it to this point in the story we haven't seen a single grot right that was frustrating the heck out of me right and then we finally see something that is a destruction monster and it's a flesh eater court zombie thing get flesh eater court that's on you that's on you (laughs) don't 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 you put that it's not all right let me put it this way it's not in the battle tome right absolutely not in the battle tome and it's a cool idea yeah this becomes to me the scariest thing in the book is this like this contagion that turns people into these nasty humans sure Man. i want the grots to be the scariest thing in the book right i don't want something that you made up to be the scariest thing in the book hmm. and that really frustrated me but isn't that the way it always goes that mankind is always the real villain <sighs> so i mean that's, that's fair kind. that's a fair point what you're saying is that it just didn't you when you're going to an AOS book you want it to tie to the models and things that you're yep. that you know that you can put on the table and play. Yes. So it's a part of that escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that none of the characters were ones that I wanted to relate to. Right? They were likable, but I didn't want to put myself in the shoes of any of these characters. There was that's, like eight that's awesome because people. You're a like, terrible what? person. So <laughs> no, here I'll have one other anecdote that well, has nothing but, to do with this book. Perfect. Is that I I, I was talking. I was talking to uh, somebody at work, and he's got a seven-year-old who's probably like the most profound seven-year-old I've ever met. Like, will will like comment on the world in a such a way that you think that this kid is like eighty years old and been through like some stuff. Like all seven. And I was too. I was talking to him about movies, <laughs> and this kid will watch all the Star Wars trilogies. You know, seven years old, and he'll watch sit through violence. He'll sit like not gruesome, but like none of that bothers him. The thing he doesn't like sadness like he won't watch a movie mm-hmm. that's sad yeah. because you can have all the fantasy in the world but when you're when you're wanting to watch something cool 
the f- sadness is real, right? Mm-hmm. And is not something that you want to maybe always have yep. in your sure. in your epic. That's I, I relatively think, fair. So, sure. so I you know. so I, I only draw that to yep. to be a, a an apologist for Paul and what he's saying is that what I want an apologist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how did we find out that? How do we not know his name fits into so many? Uh, <laughs> But I mean, just in the sense of like sadness or like that serious side of things can be a thing that takes people out of kind of the space that they want to be in. Sure. And my argument is that it's just part of the human condition. Yep. And if yep. you want Absolutely. to connect to it, like. Absolutely fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, it wasn't like, that's why I said from the beginning, this is not my genre. This is not my type of book. Yeah. Sure. For sure. Although I will say, um, your uh, Scourge hero, um, uh, yeah. Murdering the hell out of people and but he didn't feel disturbing. bad about it. No, no, that's he wasn't what... saying, "Oh, I'm a terrible person because I'm having no, no, to no, do no. these things." Yeah, and that's why I hated him. <laughs> and be, because he was like, "This is what I'm meant to do." Like, no, I'm okay with that. He's a sociopath. No. Yeah, but he was always intended to be a sociopath. <laughs> but, right? He's not a reluctant sociopath. He's not oh, sad that, about seeing what, a sociopath. But, that's not that's the definition of a sociopath. If a sociopath was reluctant about being a sociopath, they wouldn't be a sociopath. Yeah, so he's happy. Oh right? God. So. So my, after Hendrick drops, uh, the the party uh, is driven from this this uh, this well this pandemonium or whatever. And sure. what do they see out in the sky? Uh, our best friend, our dearest friend, Sigmar. No, uh, what? No, that's not my friend. Yeah. All right, you got your one no, guess. No friend of mine. Uh, it's the bad bad moon. The bad it's the moon. bad moon. Yeah, yeah. He, and, he's just leering down yeah. on people. And the reason they're driven from the palace is because this contagion is spreading. Yeah, yeah. And as this contagious contagion is spreading. The regent militant is also turning into this giant oh, yeah. fleshy mushroom that starts to fill the palace. Why did you have to say the word fleshy? That makes it so much worse. Actually, I say moist, moist too. <laughs> what I want to know is who was the first person to see the bad moon rising? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I think it was a three dog night, so one of those. Alien, maybe? Moistalica, moisture of puppets. You guys yeah. cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they have the the remainder of the Swords of Sigmar come running out of the front doors, um, and they the the front gates. Nobody knows what's going on yet. The bad moon has risen, but it hasn't started to like assert itself yet. So they have this like troop of acrobats over to the left that is doing their thing, and like these other just normal people acting normal. And they're starting to be affected by the bad moon, but they haven't realized that like this is basically the apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the bad moon starts to have these symptoms with on every piece of uncovered skin, mm. and people start growing yeah. mushrooms to their is, pores. Yeah, and, this is horrific. Like mm-hmm. our main characters, like look down, and mushrooms are literally literally growing out of the skin of their arms. Well, our new main character. <laughs> right. I mean, main characters. I yeah, we've got, we've got their perspectives. Yeah. Our, yeah. our party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so what? Like they, they immediately realize that. Like it, I don't know what draws their attention to it, but it, it, they get the sense that it's the moon that's causing this. And so that what they have to do is real quick, like cover mm-hmm. themselves up, or they yeah. need to get in, you know, the shade of buildings or, sure. or what have you. Yeah. And they're able to reconvene um, with their their party and with the captain as well. And they have to sort of develop a plan of attack. Like, what are we going to? Mm-hmm. What are we going to mm-hmm. do about this? Um, so they get us. They realize that. Something's not right with that yeah. regent militant, and they need to solve um, solve this problem. Um, and uh, Eleonora 
the resourceful gal that she is was Blows like, All right, yeah, let's just straight up blow blow it up. I got these bombs. And uh, they decided that that's, that's the right course of One, action. One, two, three barrels of powder. I got enough. Yeah, yeah. perfect. There um, was like a wagon that they observed earlier. It was a... Um, of course there was. Chekhov's gun? Is that what it is? <laughs> Chekhov's... Uh, Are we waiting for Guffman? Chekhov's gun is something that if there's a gun on the wall in the first act, you have to fire it by the third. Yeah, no, it's not the third act, but they saw this and they didn't yeah. end up using it. Okay, so yeah. then yeah. yeah it's okay. foreshadowing. Uh, and then she figures out she can ignite this. So this, this literally, the uh, the mushroom being that was the uh, regent militant is... Uh, is growing so big that it is like exploding the palace that he, like it's it's palace sized at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, she managed to set it on fire with her cool plan, which is to get these bombs and spark off this yeah. um, this fuel source and burn it down. And so they do that. Mission accomplished. Okay, I do that. Roasted portobello. <laughs> so I do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and problem solved. <laughs> but it's around this time that now is when the the like the grot starts spilling from like tunnels all around the city, and this yeah. like they sort of arrive. Paul, in force. you made me feel like there's no grots. And tr- well, Trigoths? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Trigoths. Trigoths. Well, now T-ragoths? now there are grots. Yeah. Not there's not a ton. I mean, there are a large number, but as far as word count, there's not a lot. There's not 2,000 pounds of them, okay? Well, there's not a lot of word count given to them. Okay. Right? It's like, here is a... Not a character or a specific one called out. Well, Skagrat is called out later, but it's basically like, here is a unit of Moon Clan Grats. Oh, look, they have nets. They have have spears. They have whatever. Moving on. That's in the battle tone, Paul. Yeah, it is in the battle tone. So I was happy, but then it was like, this is what the unit is. And then that was it. There wasn't any like, look at the cool things they're doing. It was like, here's a unit. And that was it. I like the Grats. What can I say? Like, yeah. they're, they're my heroes. Well, we need to record I think, this. I think you I... needed a very specific thing out of this. I did. I wanted, yeah. like I said, I wanted Skarsnik 2.0. And I was like, okay, finally, we're getting it. And it was, no, we're still focused on the main Skarsnik characters. Skarsnik is a moon of the bad moon now, yeah. right now. He's, he's a yeah, celestial Yeah, but Skagrot, if they would have focused on Skagrot and his lunatic asylum, like, they could have done the, I don't know, he, he could did, have done the same seal. He does some nonsense Sequel. Anywho, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. All right, so uh, <laughs> the, the, after they blow the, the big mushroom dude up, um, so they reconvene, and, you know, as they fight their way back together um, through, through the grots, uh, I think they, you know, wade through their waves of you know grots in the alleys of, of the city um and uh they find themselves holed up in a safe house it's a ruin that is beneath it is this fortified watchtower basically these safe houses that they've located throughout the city underground safe house quite yet in that they uh do they rendezvous at a square first where they're fighting a horde of like squig riders which is what i was confused about Boy, um, grots. yeah and so they're 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 doing a number on them and they're actually they're surviving because i'm mean, what grots are a bunch of chumps on the battlefield um but uh mm-hmm. they do have some tricks up their sleeves and by that i mean uh the bad moon delivers a, a series of meteor showers yeah. uh, on top of them, loonstone, loonstone showers. Yep. Um, and sort of as the the rocks are rocketing down on top of yep. uh, our party, like the scene cuts, Dropping it, cuts mortal away. wounds all yep. up in that place. Straight out of the battle tome. Yeah. This is right in their allegiance ability. Exactly, mortal wounds, because uh, we find out later that um, in this meteor shower, not even on screen, which is kind of a bummer, um, our dude, Old Chef. Yep. Yeah, uh, off-screen death. He was the coolest character right. in my opinion. Uh, he was my dude. Yeah, uh, and just like an off-screen death, I was like, oh, did they? He, had, he was the scout. Yeah, he was the he scout. Was the, actually, and he, yeah. Well, no. 
So do we learn? Uh, I was I was expecting you mentioned to Paul earlier that yeah. he'd had like markings on his body, etc. Mm-hmm. Did I get a sense that he was a chaos follower? I thought that was possible. Um, he he definitely was worried about city dwellers seeing him. He was. It was never clearly referenced, but his tattoos were like tied to these other uh, gods. Like he didn't. Uh, he didn't place Sigmar above all. He like Sigmar is just one of many gods. Okay. But definitely reading it, like the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, maybe this dude is uh, like a, a dark oath. Maybe maybe he's like a dark oath dude yeah. or something like that. But finds his employee in here because we we see that in stuff like you know uh, Silver Tower or, or whatever. The, there's the opportunity to bring um, chaos aligned things in there and figure out how they yep. integrate with. Um, so he was. I wanted to know a lot more about him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Too bad he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Super dead. Or is he? Well, he got hit by no, he got hit dead. by like uh, meteor shrapnel. He doesn't and get so, that. And he's he's just uh, when I think Aelin, uh links back up. Mm. Uh, there's a row of all these dead bodies from people who died out from the meteor strike, mm. and he's down on the end. She almost doesn't recognize him at first because it's just this pathetic little thing. And he had he had these human moments like early on. He's one of the first characters we actually talk to or like learn about. Um, after the epilogue, um, he's he's a scout and he's like, yeah, I'd, you know, he has this thought where like, if it wasn't for my beard, I'd look like I was no more than twelve turnings or whatever. So yeah. I know, know all about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so Ult is the next one down. Sure. Yes. He takes, okay. takes a meteor shower to the face, um, and and body guys, yeah. not just his yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Talk about being callous. Sure. It's taking a toll. Uh, cat. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Son of a gun, get out of here. All right. Um, so they uh, take the, lo- the Loom Star. So honestly, it seemed like for a while there they were holding their own against the the goblins. Sure. But obviously, it's yeah. there's extraneous uh, environmental factors. For instance, a moon throwing rocks at you yeah. that uh, sort of eliminates them. I will say at this point, like it's become clear that the the incursion has escalated so fast. Like you're like, mm-hmm. whoa. Like I was expecting this to be okay. Like. You know, a, a lot of times the arc that these sieges take is like, oh, we held them on the outside gate. Oh, there was some something befell us, and now we're falling back, and now we're falling back, and now we're falling back. This is right away, just right to the right to the roof of of uh, danger. You know, the the central palace has collapsed. Meteors have crushed huge parts of the city. There's swarms of fungus zombies going through, like. He was like, "Whoa, how is this even salvageable at this point? Like, it it uh, it got mm-hmm. real bad, real, 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 real fast. Yeah, and very much an alpha strike. Of sure, like of yeah, goblin stuff. Um, so the uh, remaining members of the the sort of the Sigmar, they fight their way to like regroup with their their friends. Um, so they they do hole up in a ruin, which is I think is like the ruin of like a, a safe yeah. house or something. Um, Somebody say, hey, there's not shroom enough here for. Right, is it okay if I call them fungus eating courts? Because they're royalty and well, they're fungus. We, we can't, we're not your, We're not in charge of you. You can call them whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> totally gonna call. If you're all right with being wrong, that's fine. Um, so Ulf <laughs> is dead, and then also like the captain is like I think also took a, a hit from the meteor yep, shower, right, so she's right. on her way out. Um, yeah. at the, at she's bleeding she's to death. Dying. Helena. Yep. yep. Um, dying from the the it's meteors. Helena, way to go. No, and so so they moved to a safe house. That's what it is. Um, and at this point. Um, are the rest of the Swords of Sigmar are introduced to a few more like watchmen of this the city. Yeah. I mean, they've got names, but I don't know. They're they also, also have red shirts on. But yeah, you they're, know they're, we they're, don't need to remember them. They're very interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. um, there's kind of an overly dramatic, like, overly dramatic conversation of like what they're supposed to do next. Like uh, emotions yeah. are high. I, I suppose that makes sense. But sure. like, yeah, uh, it was well. Well, I, I mean, to the to the extent of you know talking about where you would expect this to go. There's there's this like, hey, 
do we fight? Do we take back the city? Do we just evacuate as many people as we can? Mm -hmm. Like that's so that there's that tension now. Is like is is this a losing battle? Is this is retreat our only option? Sure. There's one person who does think that retreat is the only option. Yeah. Uh, our boy uh, Boric Jorgensen. Yep. He uh, boogies on out of there. So he 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 being a mercenary and like a bodyguard <laughs> first first and foremost. He's like, all right, well, I want to get paid before I, I jet. I mean, he, he and this is this is not. I mean, this is a cultural thing as well because he's got he lived by the yeah. code, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's no there's no profit in a lost venture, right? So well, and he's already lost his cannon. He had this like awesome sweet cannon, and it was lost in the palace. Sure, when it was invaded. So like he's like, this is a negative. Yeah. For me personally, this is a negative for our group. Like I don't. Yeah, I didn't feel like that that loss of that weapon. I don't remember that factoring in but like he he was there as a bodyguard for a guy who is now dead some time ago uh, he feels like we've done like we brought the warning it was ignored this place is a write-off uh we're mercenaries like it says it right there on the paper sure. we're line, mercenaries line, like line 90 of the code yeah, like i gotta get out yeah of here. it's time for us to to pull stakes and go which i mean feels like it's treated similarly to the you know um fanatics of sigmar like it, this is like you said, culturally, like, sure, not in a negative, but just highlighting to the nth degree how much that means to him. Mm-hmm. It's it early on yeah. could also be seen as just like this guy's either coward or just heartless, et cetera. But it's like no, this is I, yeah, this is part of his. I and I think they they do well on addressing just how painful this decision is for him and for the the people. And there's there's been some moments up till now where like you know he's shown some connection and uh, affection for them and that that's continued on a little bit even even after this decision is made um and i thought that was well written sure of, and it's very much a dramatic moment where she where aelin like pays him right too i mean it, it yeah. not in so many words but like the the gist of like all right well here accept your you know payment and, and yeah. get out of here um so, so it, what do they do it's a heavy moment um so he leaves he does he, yeah. he leaves and uh we never he see, just walks out we never see him again um a stage left uh, so then, um, from this particular safe host, apparently. Uh, so he's the one who says there isn't shroom enough here for the I gotta go. Uh, no, no, he said there's too much shroom. Oh, I, Eric, I think I hear someone calling you. All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Aelin and Romilla, that's the Way Watcher and the war, uh, Warrior Priest, um, they're actually moved to a different location. They're taken to a secret armory, um, which is basically like perched atop a guild hall where they, there are other survivors yeah. um so yeah. they have to like navigate like secretively throughout the, the city streets and across the mm-hmm. rooftops of the of the city but of course it wouldn't be a book if, if the god the grots don't like find them at the last minute yeah and so there's this chase scene yeah. across like the rooftops and it's getting, pretty fun yeah. arrows getting shot at them and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that i had but a the, problem with that one too of course you did mm-hmm. tell me about it well the the problem was they were in a st- they were in a shop and the moon clan was on the first floor and then they ran up to the second floor and then they like haul themselves up through an attic mm-hmm. to get onto the roof. And they're like, oh, it's going to take the Moon Clan a, t- a while to Attics get out of there. Attics weren't invented in the mortal realms for no. another 40 years. And they're like, oh, it's going to take the Moon Clan a while to get up to us. And then they got up like five seconds later. Uh, no, but, I mean, they, they got a head start. No. But my issue was, it had been mentioned not three paragraphs earlier that there were spider fang grots on the roofs. And they just completely disappeared. And instead, they're attacked by Moon Clan. Yeah, I mean, I got the impression that, like, grots are all over the city, easily distracted. So, mm-hmm. like, if the spider fang, whatever, are, are Roman, like, they, oh, there's some, you know, civilians, we're going to go poach them or whatever. Like, I, 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 it felt like many of the encounters were just, like, 
there's looting and you're going to get mm-hmm. jumped by whoever happens to spot you from the looters. But mm-hmm. I totes wanted it to be Spider-Fang. Well, just right this right. We, we know. Andy Clark was never going to win on this one with Paul. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Andy, we're still cool though. Me and yeah. you, we're all right. Um, and so they're able to like make it to this this like secret like safe stash house uh, atop this guild hall. But then we cut to a different chapter. Well, there was actually a super like fun little exchange. I'll be the judge of where they're like, was. oh, hey, there's a hey, password. Get in. And they're like, positive. we gave them the password, and they showed. Or the, and then the guy's like, no, 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 you need to show me the badge. You're not the right person yeah. because Helena gave her badge to the Waywatcher. Yeah. And he's like, I don't trust you. How do I know you're, you're not, not bandits? Here. Yeah. yeah. How do I know <laughs> you're Bandits. Dude, they're not grots. Like, exactly. just just open up. <laughs> yeah, and and then like they open up, and there's a, a like a female head like watch member, and, like standing next to the idiot who wouldn't let them in, and like shaking her shaking her hand, hand <laughs> as he like punched them in the face. That was a that was a cool moment. Okay, that is pretty good. Solid solid <laughs> beat there. All right, um, but now let me cut to the next chapter. Hey, Eric, huh? remember when I said that we never saw Bork again? I lied to you. We do see him again. He's a liar. He was. <laughs> He did, was, he come, did he come back for us? No, definitely no, not. No. He, was, he was caught faux show by uh, the Grots and, and specifically by Skagrot. Skagrot? Skagrot. Skagrot. Yeah. Anyways, they I don't gr- know if he was caught by him, but. You're saying they grot him? They grot him. They got, they got him <laughs> real grot good. Grot him good. Grot yeah. him good. Uh, they, they strap him to a chair, and so Skagrot is basically tr- trying to torture like information out of him. Mm. Like who, who, who you're here with, uh, who, who you came with, uh, what's your name, what's your so sign? Who, what, where, uh, when, why? All that, all that jazz. But. To Bork's credit, he doesn't say nothing. Yeah. Like if he, I think at one point, like he makes some f- fake story well, up for yeah. him. But um. and as in torture, he's like, "I'm gonna give you this thing that's gonna turn you into this like living melange of mushroom and man," and then shows him a guard that was with him when he was trying to escape from before. Yeah. So like Bork knows exactly what's going on. It's yeah, and, it's gross. He's he's definitely getting turned into a mushroom. And if we can like kind of just like do a little subtext, go back a little bit. Eleonora, when she got hit by the shrapnel in the workshop, mm-hmm. was working on these little bombs, mm-hmm. and one of them was set underneath the the uh, the gun, as it were. You're talking about from earlier to blow up, but Boric ended up having one of those bombs on his person. Yeah, they they uh, they gave him two. He used one, and he's like, "I, I got to keep this extra one on me." Like, seems super unsafe. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, it turns out. Scrag is like, I'm going to turn you into this, like, human mushroom thing. And this is the most extended period we get with any uh, goblin or uh-huh. grot conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was actually pretty well done. Like, yeah. a, a, as far as, like, when he first starts talking, you, you got to concentrate on the words to try and figure out what exactly he's saying. I thought that was fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that moment. Um, um, and I like the, the classic, like, you tell me what I want to know, uh, I'll let you go. And I'm like, <laughs> and for a split second i'm like you know i kind of believe him damn it he got me like i'm not, <laughs> not supposed to believe that yeah. yeah um but uh he transforms bork such that he's able to like he's so mushroomed he's able to slip <laughs> yeah. his bonds and hit the button on his bomb and he blows himself up so to his credit yeah he lasts to the bitter end and he doesn't give up any information that that he knew anything and there's a point here with. where like he's he's clearly having these uh, memories of of his crew mm-hmm. like this is what drives him because you know everyone's got their breaking point uh and he not me but keep going <laughs> he well he managed to he managed to persevere through some pretty awful stuff and it's all on the basis of how much he like he's he's abandoned his crew and he's at some level he's ashamed that they kind of abandoned him in his sense you know in his in his mind but also that he in turn abandoned them uh but he he still feels good enough for them or has has enough good will towards them that he's unwilling to sell them out 
even even if he's you know at one point like maybe he, he crosses my like maybe maybe he's actually right maybe maybe i will get out of here if i if i just tell him something uh but yeah so he has this moment of sacrifice which is pretty cool kills a brugit who yeah. is part of the um and one, then there's one a, of the gobapaloozas yeah the brugit uh and there's a a troll bodyguard that saves Scrag yeah. like throws his body like yeah. throws so himself on top Bork of Bork ends up as Boomshroom. Yeah. Just let people do so that's three so. down. That was the end yeah. of Bork. Why well, are we counting uh, Varlin? Four down. Four down. Um so, half strength. Yep, so now uh we're we're so in we this s- have the ladies? Ladies. So we still have the Eleanor and the Death Wizard. Yeah. We still have the Death Wizard, we still have the Way Watcher, and we still have the Priestess. Correct. Romilla. Yep, yep. Romilla, yeah. Exactly. So uh So they they decide that at this point, there is one option left, and Eleonora is like, die in look, there is one reason. more place that we can go. If we go this one place, we can actually set off a bomb sure. that will this- figure that will erase everything, because they realize that it's not actually a plot to take over Draconium. It's actually a plot to take over Hammerhall Aksha. And this is, a, this is an interesting point where they're, they've... There is this debate about is this is this just a siege where we do we just happen to be in the way of the avalanche, and that that is a common conception of like if you're uh, targeted by the forces of destruction that that's what's going on, uh, but they say look like if this was just being in the way of the avalanche there would not have been a year of lead up to this of of dis- disappearances and poisoning our food stores and all that sort of thing like this has been planned there's something going on here, and so that's what that's what comes down. Also, interestingly, and we this we learned this a little bit in the conversation, was that that Brugit apparently had to make some bargain with some awful beings. Like Scragrot mentions it, he's like, you don't understand. Like he he had to he had to you know he he bargained these poisons. You know he he had to talk to some some bad folks. So this there may have been some collaboration between Chaos and Agrats. Uh, oh, yep. Because early on the swords are when they're seeing all these fungus things, they're like, "This is Nurgle, right? Like we've we've seen Chaos before. This 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 got to be Nurgle, right?" This um, is your way back into Varlin turning into a mushroom mm, collaboration. Sure. All I'm saying. Uh, and that speaks to Romilla's backstory, where she was uh, she was the lone survivor of a Nurgle infestation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> So anyway, but they figure out, hey, there's more barrels of this thing, of this uh, poison that the uh, region militant uh, ended up being corrupted by. Yeah. There's a ton of those all stacked up right next to this piece of the meteor that's getting carved into a loon shrine. Mm-hmm. Um, so like something something legit is going on here. And it's not, so the debate here is like, do we evacuate? It's theoretically, they think the debate is, do we evacuate or do we stay and try and figure out how to blow this up? And that's where Eleanor has the plan of uh, I can adapt all these steam slash thermal piping, you know, that's channeling the energy of Akshi to heat and power the city. If I overload it, I can create a detonation which might uh, vaporize this poison. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like the, the pipes or something are conveniently under the city square of all this like poison and stuff. So yeah. like the well, way I've got it coordinated is like we can blow I can blow that place like, yeah. you know everything up to smithereens, but like that place is smithereens. Is it like the the green flame in uh, green flame in uh, Game of Thrones? Kind of uh, the, the same the same result. I don't no, that she, she's she's blowing up like 
the the heating system of the city as a whole because like this because we're based off of um volcanic like right right you know subterranean like hot springs and stuff like that so like this is what permeates throughout the city city built on a top of a thing that could explode yep so and the barrels are conveniently next to the canal or river that will head down to hammerhall actually right well i mean presumably that's the plan right like they're Uh, they're gonna get dumped in that and it's gonna so they 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 kind of supply into it that this is an attempt to knock out Hammerhall action. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so they have this last ditch effort of Eleonora and Ramilla need to make it to this place to set off this chain reaction. And every other soldier that they know of is going to go and do this like kind of defending action to distract them to make sure that they can get in because it's right next to where right. everybody is gathering. They're trying so to fine tune this. Like if we send too many people on the main, the yep. actual mission, then they're going to draw every grot. And if we send too few, then they're going to get overwhelmed. Yep. So we'll send a small elite. It's the two of them and some watch persons yep. mm-hmm. and then uh, diversionary. Yeah. Red shirts. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, red shirts, but also Aelin and yeah. uh, the wizard. Yeah. Uh, but the, the red shirts are the ones that go with Eleanor and Ramilla. Sure. Right. So, but they send the Waywatcher and the Death Wizard with the main fight with the last, like, theoretical officer of the watch that's left over. Right. And they're like, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And they walk into the square and the officer's just like, no, we're going to kill them all. And they're like, yeah. crap. Yeah. Everything. Well, they get there and it looks like there's fewer grats than they expected. Yeah. Like, oh, we could win this. We could just win this straight up. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a good thing so grots aren't super sneaky or anything. They have this <laughs> horrible battle that just like complete losing battle that happens in the middle of the square. Right. And uh, Eleonora ends up biting it. No, wrong name again. Sorry. Aelin. Uh, Aelin. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're because of like the trick, I guess, from the the goblins. They're they're lured into like mm-hmm. rushing, you know, head headstrong into the into the goblin forces, and they're ambushed from behind, right? So because mm-hmm. of that, they're 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 attacked on on both yeah. sides. Um, which I don't believe you. It's just kind of a bummer. But well, like Aelin it, would not let that happen. Well, well no, she no, doesn't. No, no, no. no there's no, a it's, loon it's shrine. The hu- it's the humans. She yeah. she's she's an, she's against it. So yeah. she tries to like curtail she, the she charge. And, she and Bartman are like damn it like they yeah. you know they couldn't hold them back and they're like i guess i guess our best bet i guess we go with Move them forward. like yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna try and make the best of this this yeah. bad situation exactly. but the other thing is that there's a loon shrine in the center so they've already killed a bunch of grots they showed up again within 12 inches of the loon oh shrine my God. <laughs> so they're behind <laughs> yeah. the way watcher and the death wizard but in mm-hmm. the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things like this is kind of their point like the whole the reason they're even here is right to distract the main grot yeah. forces which yeah. is what they're actually accomplishing <laughs> For, um but you're right, Aelin does biff it at this, this point. Yeah. yeah, and the story is uh, flip-flopping back and forth. Yeah. It, it yeah. creates a good tension of, like, how, how much progress are Ramilla and Eleonora making versus, mm-hmm. like, what's happening in the square. And uh, this, I, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the time of day I was reading it or what, but, like, I thought I thought uh, Aelin's death was, was pretty, like, an emotional. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, I mean, she literally, so uh, Bartman, like, he's this old guy already and mm-hmm. he expends a huge amount of his energy like casting some spells or whatever and like overdoes it and he's got he's uh, he's got a cool attitude about things like I, I probably shouldn't have done that or you know I, I probably shouldn't do this but here we go like doesn't he say at one point like I should have died a long time ago so yeah, like, honestly sure. today's a good day for me to drop yeah like, yeah but uh Aelin dies protecting his like because he's he's worn out like he's yeah. he's just limp eventually like he can't even cast spells anymore. borderline comatose body yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has like the oh stabbed in the calf like cuts another more in the back 
gets another more. Someone bites her on the arm. She's grossed it like you know, stabs him in the head. Like she's down to one arm, and then she's eventually down. And she 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 falls. She falls dead on top of Bartman's body. Protects his body. Uh, yeah. You can you can hear the dramatic like uh, opera music playing yeah. as she draws, and like yeah. the slow motion scene where yeah. she takes it. Well, it's kind of like um. Lord of the Rings, Boromir's death, yeah. where, he, where he goes down real slow and he takes yeah. an arrow yeah. and he cuts an orc, you know, yeah. all that jazz. Yeah. Same sort of uh, effect. Nice. Uh, super dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, then Eleanor and Ramilla are going towards this engine. Yeah. Um, and the red shirts get ambushed by more of these fungus eating yeah. uh, court uh, and they get taken care of. So it's just Ramilla and Eleanor they running have, they through. Have one, they have Thackeray. Watchman Thackeray is in there right. with him going. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, and they finally find exactly where they need to be, but the pressure isn't right. Yeah. So then they need to go to this like other place because that's where the real engine is because that's where Eleonora researched it. So they get there, and then and the whole time she's getting more and more feverish. Yep, you know like, because of the spider bite. Yeah, and they get to the engine room and they realize that the reason why there's no pressure in the system and why they needed to come here is because it's infested with spiders. And so they have to like climb up and left and right and up and down like to get to AB, AB, sir. exactly <laughs> the top like the third level of the boiler in order to hit the right thing to make it um, overload basically yeah. and then they get thrown out the window so boom yeah I mean yeah. it looks like so here's here's talking about like uh, expectations for this book like at this point like. I, I'm thinking, because there's an archetype of this kind of story, like a, a sort of dirty dozen thing where everybody like has their death on the way to this thing. Yeah. And so um, it, it, they, they get into the backstory. Like Romilla's been a surrogate mother to Eleonora. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Eleonora doesn't, you know, because of her nature, doesn't want to act without certainty. But uh, there's so there's this, there's this uh, duality of Eleonora wanting to act with certainty and uh, Romilla like faith is important and so she ends up because eleanor is so out of it at one point she's got to make decisions for them and then they're like all right you know uh, we'll we'll do it together it's not just on you and so this is a point like i think clearly because they they figure out they're going to blow themselves up but eleanor figures out a way like if i overload this thing it's going to drop a pipe if it anyway so what paul's saying they eleanor at the last minute kind of figures out like a one in a million escape they start running across this pipe which is blown a hole through the wall and then the explosion comes in it Curls him out through the wall, like yeah, yeah exactly, uh, and uh, and that'll that'll come up later. But this this explosion comes up, vaporizes vaporizes the poison, uh, skag skagrot. Well, before we get there, oh. that this point definitely made me angry because there were spiders, but there weren't anybody riding them. Yep, there oh, were no grots <laughs> because they had giant spiders, they had gigantic spiders, they yeah. had arachnorocks, yeah. they had this malign intelligence, yeah. but he couldn't bother to put the grots on the back of you them. You already read the, the battle tome, Paul. Read, go read the battle tome <sighs> so again annoyed. if you want to read the battle tome. Don't, don't so annoyed. Skitter strands not have grots Just skitter strands, but those are only arachnorocks. There's no giant spiders without riders. There's no gigantic spiders without riders. It's like all the armies you see at tournaments that are like, oh, I don't want to paint the grots. I'm just going to paint the spiders. I hate this And he so wrote much. it into yeah. the Black Library novel. Sorry, just listeners. frustrated the heck out of me. I think... So annoyed. I think <sighs> it, would, it would be problematic, too, if he was trying to cram every unit into the book and making sure that, like... Yeah. Every version or variation of that fit. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, part of... He didn't do that. 
Yeah. Right? Well, but I think part of what he's trying to do is is give more sinisterness to to Gloomspite beyond just their like just Marshall coming were, in and attack. Yeah, they were sinister like the, AF. Yeah. Like even like from the beginning where like that they can control like insects to come in and just devour bodies. So I think he's I mean obviously painting a part of the more insidious part of of Gloom Spite, not the comical. But that's not the Spider Fang aren't comical. They're deadly. I did not appreciate it. <laughs> so Romilla and Eleonora are thrown to safety yeah. for the Boom. most part. And uh, I mean they survived they survived this deadly conflagration. Yeah. Um, and so they find themselves searching the city. So this is the epilogue actually, so let's consider the book done. Alright, um, book's done. Yep, so there's uh, searching the city for their friends. They find uh Aelin's uh, body, real sad, yeah. kind of bummer. But they also find uh, Batraman, uh, who the is death wizard. the Death Wizard, who and he al- brings them all back to life. Who's almost dead, um, but not quite dead. So they're able to like resuscitate him, right? Right. So he's he's been knocked out, and so they they stabilize him and get him back to zero. Yeah. Um, in D no terms, saves. no death saves. Uh, and so uh, they leave the city. Like there's nowhere else to, to go. There's I mean they, there's just dead bodies every yeah, which way. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's they, as they leave the gates, they're like. Oh, like hopefully, hopefully there were a bunch of evacuees and they just see dead bodies all the way out, yeah. and they're like, sure. I guess nobody, nobody dead bodies all the way down. Um, and so they they navigate out of town. They they start walking, you know, walking the path back to civilization. But fortunately, surprise, they do actually find a bunch of uh, survivors. Like they're like they're they're walking down the sh- the road and they hear some movement out in the woods, and it, it turns out like it's survivors who had like made camp like out in the in the forest. Um, and that, for the most part, is the end of the book. Like they they reconvene with what's left of the city city the citizens, <laughs> um, and that gives you a little bit of hope. Yeah, um, for it gives you a positive the future. Energy. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily for Draconium per se, but no. uh, for the for the people at least. So happy ending for all. <laughs> uh, we made Except it. for Paul. Except for yeah. Paul. Thirty-seven point five percent of the Swords of Sigma made it through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that what the, is that what it is? Yeah, okay. Uh, and that is your book. Anything? Else, any other pasta people want to talk about before we move on to some standardized questions? Is this like standardized testing? Sure, I, it's exactly like that. Dang. Man, I'm really, getting, really good at that. I was gonna just do CCC down the line. Um, do they still do those with pencils, or can you do them on computers now? I don't even know. I don't think they do them on computers. I think they still do scans you, on. You think you would do it on computers? Anyway, so what? Sh- you would think in so, What shape are the characters it. at the end, or the setting even? Uh, so, guys, the Swords of Sigmar have some vacancies. I would say. <laughs> yeah. So if you're looking to join a mercenary group, they got uh, they got room for yeah. you. Um, so what? Three out of the eight? Yeah. Would you say are left? Uh, yeah. Cool. Eleanor has a big lightning-shaped scar on her leg. That's she's yep. she's become healthy again. Mm-hmm. She has this moment of uh, talking to again Romella, her uh, surrogate mother, mm-hmm. and she can't explain like, "Well, I'm feeling better." Like that. This is Eleanor's moment of like, "Oh, maybe the divine exists" or something mm-hmm. like that. So. For someone who's pretty analytical and sure. like you know really yeah. grounded, uh, that that's a character moment for sure. The uh, city, st- the city of Draconium, still have some citizens, like we said, but it, it it takes some doing to get that town livable again. Like I don't know if that'll ever be like repopulated. Eh, maybe There's some taint there. Sure. Um, and the Bad Moon still wandering around like it always is. Bad Moon unfazed. Like so, I guess we didn't really talk about. It. It's, it's, 
at some point unfazed moon ah uh, damn it that is good but like at, at one point in the story was it after the explosion the bad moon just up and leaves like, yep, like sure. i'm bored i'm bored with this yeah. well and yeah we did have scragrot having plot armor where he's standing in the middle of the square when away. everything's going away and then all of a sudden puff of smoke and gone yeah it deep. seems like the bad moon was attracted to things and plots that were going on, and as soon as that was foiled, yep. whatever sure. energy was there was yeah, that's released good. Him. I'd look at it like that. Sure. It, um, her. Any mm. other any other interesting states of being? Now that the book is, uh, I want to read the prequel to the last party that Eleanor was a part of, and they all died. I mean, it talks some about that. She had a yep. workshop that burned down, killed her dad. Yeah, something like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, trying to create a conspiracy where she has been and will continue to be the sole survivor or one of the sole survivors well, of, of multiple parties. I mean, Romilla, that, so Romilla and that, Eleanora are already yeah. like survivors of previous disasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eleanora was actually kicked out of the previous guild because they said that she set the fire that killed yeah. her father. Mm. Wait a second. Uh, <laughs> We're on to you, Aunt, yeah, Andy. Yeah, we got you. We got you. Uh, all right. Here's my one of my favorite questions. Who is your dude? And gender neutral dude. <laughs> uh, I'll ask Eric. Who is your dude? Ooh, from what you read I, and what we told you. From what I read, I would say um, I was probably starting to get into Eleanora the most. Um, she had, there was just some very clear purpose in what, what made her happy and what she was focused on. But she also showed signs of like a self self-awareness of like this is what i need so i know i'm gonna do this to help me get that but this is really what i need hmm. um so i i mean i i did even at the beginning felt like i, I really enjoyed the character how everyone else treated her um how how uh, how andy clark addressed her and like she was just always like even at the very beginning where they're talking about what they're going to do like her tinkering her doing things was just very much a part of the noise of the group hmm. so cool like right on. i'm going around the horn davy yeah, uh, I thought it was going to be Old Chev, for, but uh, just didn't get quite enough of that character. Interesting. Wanted to know a lot more. I'm sorry he died, David. Yeah. I know. But, I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it ended up being Aelin. And if uh, if an author can write an elf character that I'm like, I like that character. Mm-hmm. They've done it. Because mm-hmm. usually I'm, I'm really anti-elf. We've gone on diatribes about this. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> but he did a good job of you get in from Aelin's perspective and she'd be talking about like, yeah, I just like, I, I misread human emotions. I, I know that I do this. Like I, and like kind of played up the alien, like the, the difference more than like the, I'm so much better. It was more of a, like, we're very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I appreciate that. And there were some interesting things like she was able to blur her outline and, you know, had some different talents, but um, that, and then, uh, I, she had one of the more emotionally impactful scenes at, at the end, like uh, fighting for a lost cause uh, from her perspective, defending to her last breath. Like this is a thing where when you're in, you know, like that you end up in this combat situation based on this big decision. Like we're going to save, we're going to save Hammerhall Aksha. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, you're there for the person beside you. And that's what she was doing. And I, I, I thought that was pretty excellent. So there's an interesting, interesting uh, realm of life, realm of death thing going on too between the two. Sure. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah. The, I mean, it's 
Yeah. Well, and you don't necessarily peg uh, elves or even what else specifically are wanderers um, as like sacrificial, like for the common good sort of thing. They seem, you know, you think very aloof. So the mm-hmm. fact that she was willing to die for like a human, I don't know if those sort of same sort of like discrepancies like exist in the Age of Sigmar, yeah. but I feel like a lot of that gets yeah. carried over. Um, I mean, that was an example of like the, it, it felt like the members of the Swords of Sigmar really liked each other. Yeah, like they, they did. Yeah. And, and that came across really well from multiple different angles. Mm-hmm. And they, they had, there was a there was a interconnected network of like, you know, the different relationships within that, and with eight people, that's a lot of connections to sure. make. Um, uh, right, right before she 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 biffed it, um, she was talking to Batraman. Um, he says, uh, sh- "Shouldn't have, but you know, my dear, uh, needs must." He croaked. Probably best if you. She says, "Do not tell me to leave <laughs> oh, <yeah>. you behind." <laughs> Batraman hissed Alan, uh, hoisting him to his feet and supporting him as best she could. Don't you dare, he gasped. I was going to say, you best hurry up. <laughs> that was a pretty good line. That was a good moment. Uh, and towards, also towards the end, and these are, I saved some good Aelin quotes. Uh, Aelin was not given to panic. She had long held a reputation amongst the swords of Sigmar for her glacial calm, calm in even the dir- direst of situations. Now, though, she felt panic threaten. So, like, even this weird, like, uh, goblin in- uh, invasion, like, just, you know, got to the- that elven uh, calm that she was known for. Uh, Paul, who's your dude? Um, or dudette? It was Ramilla. Sorry. It was Ramilla. I just really enjoyed her character. She had kind of a cool backstory. Um, and just, uh, introduction was super cool. Um, and she survived, so that's always gonna be a bonus for me. I was just gonna say, you get a point for surviving. Yep. Um, my dude... Uh, was maybe a tie between Aelin, but then also Altshev, so I did get enough out of her, or at least it hinted at enough that it, it mm-hmm. drew me to him. Um, I think it was to his credit. Oftentimes, I, I tend toward characters that do have models, but this was a rare example of a guy who didn't have a, a model equivalent that I was still really interested in. Sure. I think just his his little the, what we learned, what little we learned about him, still informed the realm of fire a little bit, like just what what tribal fire worshippers of of Akshi, um look like. Uh, his, his tattoos, his fun, his fun little mannerisms and like quirks. Um, the fact that he, when you're doing something fast, you do it flicker quick, which really was really endearing to me. Um, so I felt like there was a loss to have him die relatively early in the book um, because there was so much more I wanted to learn from him. So there's all sorts of stuff that he knew that I didn't know that now I'm not going to get to know. And that's sort of like, that, that's a loss. Like I, I miss out on that. And so that, that bummed me out. Um, in the sequel... Eleanor and Ramilla are going to go visit his clan, Ooh. and and they'll learn more. Sure, TM, 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 TM. Yeah, we get that. Um, but I, I uh, really liked him, and I liked even in this this the group of Swords of Sigmar. When we talk about there's different connections, he still had an air of like an outsider to him, not because of like interpersonal yeah. stuff, but just because of like the weird like primal aspect to him, and the fact that he's a scout and he isn't he's sort of outside like civilization. So there was a connection, but also a separate um, aspect to him that I that I dug real good which has to be pretty strong in that group of people who don't uh, who don't belong yeah you know exactly that's true that's a good point outsider amongst outsiders Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right uh next double outsider uh question what do we learn about the mortal realms that we didn't know before i don't know that i learned person like personally all that much like i guess what another city looks like in actually like with the the acid rain was kind of a new new thing um the fact that Hammerhall Asha is always being targeted by stuff. Like, come on, man. <laughs> give us a, give us a break. Um, did you guys learn anything about the mortal realms? 
I mean, we mentioned that it looked like there was some kind of bargain between oh. the Greenskins, and so that that was new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that there might have these devious plans, and I wasn't in on y'all's uh, Gloom Spite episode, the, uh, the Battle Tome. So um, I was picking up more since I wasn't on part of that. Gotcha. gotcha. All right, uh, let's let's do. I, we got we did get a listener question. Uh, Tristan wanted to know. In Discord, and if you want to ask us questions on Discord, you can go to mortal, themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Plug, 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 plug. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tim, he wanted Tim, to know, Tim, if, Tim. did the, glo- the characters in Gloomspite inspire you in your own narratives? Paul, you do a lot of Goblin stuff. Did you? Were you inspired at all? No. Mm, ouch. Yeesh. Cool. <laughs> um, I wasn't necessarily inspired per se in that like this was another example of a party of like interesting dis- you know, d- different characters uh, in an adventuring party. Um, which you don't get to get you don't get to do a lot of in Age of Sigmar because it's a yeah. lot of like mono I don't say chromatic but a mono racial like war band so it's rare that you get to put a bunch of different um, types of races and, and, and characters into an army. However, I wonder if the City new of the Sigmar cities, coming in hot exactly new battle if that's gonna, if that's going to change things in some capacity. And in fact, I hope it does. Like that would be interesting to see um, on the table. I do have a lot of Wood Elf stuff. Um, did are you guys feeling inspired after? reading this book yeah for for me it was um there were a number of moments i was like oh man like aos rpg mm-hmm. pretty rad even even that they had these adventures and missions and like individual heroic arcs within this apocalyptic thing like because that's a that's a big thing like you look at aos on the on the tabletop and it's these big battles and like how how does one person have an interest or how do you have a party in that and this this is a neat way of inserting that into a bigger conflict and still having like a very impactful interesting um and consequential role yeah well and it's fun like with the characters in the book like each one of them had little backstories kind of reminiscent of like a character's backstory in an rpg sure um which is kind of fun if i was if i was watching someone do an rpg and they'd come up with characters that deep i've been yeah, yeah did a good yeah. job yeah yeah i think similarly it definitely stoked those flames for when uh, Cubicle Seven gets AOS RPG out. Um, if they get it out, I'm I'm still gonna have faith because that's what the Regent uh, Minist- Militant says I should have. Um, but I will, yeah. I mean, I think to me, the in terms of fleshing out, like, what does a how does a city operate and how does it operate with different the different races and coming from uh, Azurheim or um, Azir and, and kind of how they operate. So I think that aspect of, uh, it does get me excited for Cities of Sigmar. Like there are just so many different ways your city could operate. And mm. I hope that there's some rules for that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, he also wanted to know if it materialized in any models, but I don't know that any of us have built these models yet. I think it's still, still fresh in our minds, but maybe it'll result in models down the line. The... Hendrick was another example of like I don't know if he was a deserter of like the fellow from Mirrored City like free people kind of oh. thing what was that like the dude from Mirrored City yeah 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 like him you know just another I mean that's where humans come former, from former former free gilder an mm. adventurer in he was the a mortal sergeant realms previously. is likely to be yeah. A, a, yeah. from the military sure or sure, something sure. like that um do you guys do you folks have any questions or things you want to talk about before we get to our review a lot of mm. head shakes. All right, so let's hop, in, hop into this review here. Uh, I'm going to lead with Paul so that we can refute it. <laughs> if it's more confrontational than we need. If the bad guys were not Gloomspite, mm-hmm. I could probably say it was about a five or a six out of eight. But 
having it be my favorite faction and being yeah. just so disappointed with the representation, I would probably give it a two. Oh, a two. Whoa. Two legs. I had a really hard time with this book. Like a grass. It has two legs to stand on. Sure. Two legs good. That's what I've always heard, so. <laughs> Four legs. Four legs bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Alright, David, give me give me a review. Uh so this has a caveat in that obviously it's a style if survival horror is not your thing, um, then it, you're gonna yep. have a hard time with it. If you are looking for something, yeah, you know, I would say early on, probably in the first <clears throat> one third, I thought it was pretty you know, I I already knew Paul had finished it and I knew he'd had a lot of issues with it. And uh So that meant you were gonna love it. Well, uh, I, I I was kind of looking for something that made me think this is out of the ordinary from Black Library. And for the first third, I was like, this is, this is rope Black Library. Like, this feels, like, pretty dead on. I, I would not, I, this feels right down the middle for what Black Library is. Uh, and it wasn't until the latter two-thirds that I was like, okay, like, I think Paul got something that he wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, so if, if you think that genre is going to be tough for you, then probably not your favorite book. But if you're looking for something for, like, characters that you can attach to, uh, characters that you can identify with, characters that are interesting. Um, I think this is up in the very top of anything. I, I love Josh Reynolds for the way he writes villains. Uh, Andy Clark, best protagonist I've, I've read in Black Library. Oh, wow. Period. So. Nice. Sure. Eric, from what you read, give me a little Yeah, I mean, um, there's been a f- few books we've covered that I haven't been able to get through, and I've not necessarily gone back to them. Like, the recap is enough. Um, but the little bit I've read... Um, has me intrigued enough by this, like tells me enough of a story about this group and that I want to go back and read those words. I want to, I want to finish the book, read those words, read those moments that, you know, are the end of those characters. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know that I've, (laughs) after getting, having everything spoiled, still wanted to go back and read. And I I definitely want to finish reading this and it's not, it's not a long read. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, you know, not, it's not a novel. I don't know what. It's more of a novella, I think, right? Or is it a full novel? I think it's a regular length. I, I mean, yeah. it's as yeah. far as Black Library. Goes. I remember like, in, in print, it was how many pages? Three hundred twenty something. Yeah. Like that. So that's not. That's a pretty good amount, you know. If you can. Uh, so, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a. It's a it, and it's really easy to to get into, like, from my point of view so i'm i'm excited to keep reading it and finish it up even after getting it all spoiled thanks guys you're welcome aaron late on us oh i will uh get ready for it oh god prepare your minds um so prepared i liked it no it was good and i do i do recommend it again it's kind of what i was saying before from like the uniqueness perspective if if some of the uh, age of sigmar novels have sort of gotten dull or you know repetitive for you i think this is a nice uh, change of pace um it I guess one of the similarities is that we do sometimes deal with groups of, you know, order uh, heroes, and this is another example of that, but I particularly like the ones that we are dealing with. Um, It's great when you can have a bunch of different, like, unique characters uh, working together, Um, and this is is a great example of that. Um, So if you liked Spear Shadows, if, if you liked... Maybe lesser degree callous at all because it's not that big that big a group. But like if you, if you like that order grouping, then I think you'll you'll have some something to enjoy here as well. Um, if you like being thoroughly creeped out, you're gonna get it because man, if if I I can't look at a mushroom the same way again uh, after yeah. reading after reading this book. Um, and I already didn't like them, so you can for, only imagine for all for all the violence and awfulness that exists in 
Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, all that sort of thing. This is this is one of the books I was more disturbed by. Yeah, it was like, a different brand of grossness yeah. in, in a in a sense. Um, and like I haven't read honestly any I don't think of the Warhammer like horror stuff, but I get the impression that this would maybe fit right in if with just a few more tweaks, sure. or if it was maybe more focused on the horror than it was. Um, I did feel like an easy throughout it, and even the first half, which even if it started slow, um, I still felt like. Uh, thoroughly creeped out or like on the edge of my seat for all the stuff that like you couldn't see all the stuff that was off scene or off off camera um because of that it it very had had like a cinematic like aspect to it it seemed like it was a movie um in some parts so i do recommend it uh and you know i'd I'd be interested to maybe read more i think that's it should we just end the should we just end the episode right there with that glowing clunk yeah (laughs) done and done it's time for our reforging but Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, and share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do to spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can do on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Mortal Realms. You can get me at, at Red underscore Zeke. Uh, you can find me at Dos Asos. You can find me at PJ Shard. And I'm at Stonemont Gamer. You can find all of our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. So I'm going to say something. Feel free to cut it out later if you don't want to. (laughs) I always do. So I guess I want to say follow my lead, but if it were my turn, I'd say, "Hey, ready to give us your money, money, money." Not gonna do it. I know what you want, but it's not gonna happen. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it's a, that one's a hard one. Yeah, that one's a particularly tr- hard one. This is where you edit. This is where you edit. <laughs>